The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Wanted to add a quick note since Bates Motel is now on Peacock. So if you haven't watched Bates Motel, go watch it. It's one of the best shows ever. So wonderfully written, wonderfully acted, all that stuff. Just really, I wish more people would watch this show. But since we do spoil everything, including the ending, I want to put that warning here since it's now out again on a streaming service. So if you want to be spoiler free, you haven't watched it yet, don't listen. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the show Bates Motel, which I've already been hyping up this episode for the past few weeks because I am so excited to talk about this. I loved this show so much when it was on, and I didn't know many people that actually watched this show, except for Tiff, one of our panelists, because we used to tweet with each other, and actually a memory came up today. (laughs) It was not the final season, but season four, and some of our fears for one of the characters that you know, it ended up happening in season five, but so it's just an interesting thing to happen. So I'm just really excited to talk about this and talk about one of my favorite male characters as well. So there's going to be probably a lot of geeking out and we've got a great guest on with us, Jen from my streaming bubble. So I'm very, very excited for that. But before I have my panelists introduce themselves, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. I just want to make a quick announcement again. We are having our trivia night on May 15th. At 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, that will be a live stream via YouTube and Facebook Live. So check uh, our Twitter and our Facebook and Instagram for more info on that. We have some amazing podcasts joining us, including Jen from My Streaming Bubble. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. Just trivia. You can answer it, win some merch, uh, other great things will be going on as well. So make sure to join us for that event. And if you do want to support the show, remember you can support us for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. Just head on over to our anchor page and click listener support or click on the link in our show notes. And remember, 50% of what we see from that goes to one Black Lives Matter organization and one STAP Asian hate organization per month. 
Okay, so I'm going to go around and have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture. So Jen from My Streaming Bubble, I'm so happy to have you on. So what are you into right now? Hi, well, thanks for uh, having me on. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm so excited to talk about the show as well. And I'll geek out more about that in a moment. Um, one thing that I'm into right now is, well, Bates Motel and then uh, Doom Patrol. So I've already watched the first two seasons or what's out there for season two. And I love that show so much. So I'm going to actually be recording about it for my podcast uh, coming up pretty soon. So that should be available. But I'm really excited. I love that show. and. Awesome. That's kind of it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think we had another panelist not too long ago mention that one, too. So I think that's that's a pretty popular one for people, right? And that's on HBO, right? HBO Max? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. And then Tiff, what are you into? Hi. Thanks for having me back. So I started, finally, the first episode of The Nevers on HBO, and it was just really interesting. Uh, I don't know where it's going, but it was pretty good, <laughs> but it was pretty good. Um, so I'm excited to, uh, to get into it a little bit more. We'll see how it goes, but it's um, premises that uh, in Victorian England, there's um, these, uh, it seems to be mostly women who are, um, they call them touched and <laughs> they have special powers. Like there's one girl who's a, who's a giant. I mean, she's a little Mm -hmm. giant. Uh, There's another woman who has, she seems to be uh, like have the second sight she can see in the future. And then she also is really like, like almost like um, a martial arts expert. (laughs) So so it's interesting. It's, it's very, very interesting. So uh, I think uh, your audience would probably, probably like it. Yeah. That's also on my list to check out. My list is just like, yeah, I don't know, miles long. <laughs> Mine's ever growing. Exactly. <laughs> <Not> yeah. <stop. laughs> yeah. Yeah. And most of the stuff I watch is in preparation for this. So yep. yeah. <laughs> and this is Aaron. And what I'm into is, so I've been rewatching Felicity because I've been rewatching all these nineties and 2000 shows. And I love that show. I think it actually holds up really well and I can't wait to talk about it. So we're going to be talking about that in September. So part of our talking about WB shows. So that should be a lot of fun. And I still just adore Ben. I'm I'm just a Ben girl, even with his whispering all the time. I'm still a Ben girl. <laughs> okay, so let's get into Bates Motel. <laughs> I love how excited everybody is to talk about this because this show is the best. <laughs> so just real quick, I have to say, so I got into this show, like I caught like maybe the first couple of seasons when it was on Netflix and then mm-hmm got hooked and started watching it uh, live when, as it was airing. And the only other person I had to talk to about it was a coworker. So every morning or once a week, we would have, we would just set aside time right before we had to like get into our day and spend a good, like 20 minutes and just have to like get it all out. So I haven't had this opportunity since the series ended and then rewatching it. I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm just going to explode. So excited. Okay. That, no, that's awesome. I, that makes me really happy because I think those are the better episodes when everybody is just like, yes, I've been wanting to talk about this forever because the only person I had, like I said, was Tiff. Tiff was the only person I had to talk to about the show because nobody watched it. And I'm like, everybody is missing like one of the best shows on TV. Yes. But- it's okay. true. We yep. were tweeting into the ether. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, Aaron did, if Aaron didn't answer me, like, 
Nothing was, nothing was happening with my tweets. They're just Very sitting true. there. Yep, that's why I thought it was just perfect that one of them came up today because I was like, it was just perfect timing. But what I want to first get into, uh, because of course this is based loosely on, on the story of Psycho, um, you know, Norman Bates, everybody knows that character. But what they did is they updated it and set it in the present day. Um, and you have Norma. So you didn't really, you didn't have that before. And Norman has a brother, Dylan, and you didn't have that. So you get a lot of this lead up to how Norman Bates becomes Norman Bates. Uh, and of course the ending is, we'll get into that too. Uh, but I want to s- ask everybody first, what did you think about the decision to set this in present day and to also make Norman like a teenager, Jen? I liked it. I think at first I was a little apprehensive, but since I was able to binge like the first two seasons, I, mm-hmm. I just got it all right away. So I I just kind of took it for what it was. And I appreciated that they kind of kept Norma and Norman a little bit in the past, just with how they dressed, um, yeah. their her vehicle and everything. So there was like these little nods and ever and, and stuff, which was was fine. And so I thought it worked well. I kind of liked what they did with it, especially with some of these additional side characters like Bradley and and you know first couple seasons with Norman being in school and seeing that aspect and and how the the Bates is handled I guess present day mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I approved I thought they did a really yeah. good job with it and Tiff it felt contemporary to me it felt fresh I don't think the impact would have been as great as it ended up being if they had said it in the 60s mm-hmm. I feel like the 60s was kind of been there, done that. So if they had gone there and done that again, gave us that black and white kind of uh, film noir feel to it, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Instead, we get this, as Jen said, you get this very, very um, contemporary setting, but with these callbacks to the past, like with, Norma's vehicle and uh, she looks like she's kind of stepped out into the like 60s housewife with the way that she dresses mm-hmm. and um, Norman <laughs> Norman looks like a kid like out of, the, out of the 60s as well with the way he dresses too very very non-contemporary in that but you've got all of these very uh, modern characters Dylan is a modern character and then um, Romero is a modern character uh, with modern mindsets. So I think that's an important aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, although when you, um, I know we'll talk about the relationship between Norma and Norman, which is <laughs> something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I liked it. I, I feel like it's uh, one of the strongest points of the series is that they brought it to mm-hmm. present day because I think that's important for a modern day audience to connect with it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I know that when, uh, you know, when Gus Van Sant famously remade Psycho and he remade it, you know, shot by shot, like he did, everything was exactly like the original. And while I didn't have as big a problem with that as a lot of people did, I think if they had set this in, in the sixties, if it would have been, uh, it would have been cheap in a way and it wouldn't have felt new and fresh and you had to do that. And I, but I think it's perfect that they made Norma 
and Norman almost stuck in the past, yes. even though they're in the present. And even with the music, I mean, the music is exactly as, I mean, everything they sing, everything they listen to, it's just like that. But you also wouldn't have had, you know, the drug, you know, the drug subplots, all that kind of stuff. And you wouldn't have had that at all if they hadn't said it. I mean, you could have, I guess, but you wouldn't have had it in the same kind of degree or level. And mm -hmm. I just think it makes it more interesting. It also makes that push and pull between the outside world and Norma and Norman even bigger because Norma and Norman are living in such this weird, different world. And then you've got everybody else in the modern world and modern day, and they're just kind of living in the past in their own little bubble. So I think that even makes it even more much a stronger contrast there that you have that. And you're I like love literally in my head. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're saying all my thoughts right now. It, yes, That's funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I should have said on the out outset, on the onset, excuse me, for a trigger warning, because since this, this show, a trigger warning for incest big time, because um, yeah, there's a lot of that in this show and not just with the psychosexual things going on with Norma and Norman. But also, of course, Norma and her brother, which we're going to get into that. And there's also rape and, of course, murder. But so I just want to put that out there before we even we haven't gotten into that part yet. So I feel fine just putting it here. So sorry. Just wanted to give a quick trigger warning that if that stuff triggers you, you don't want to watch this show. First <laughs> you probably don't want to listen to this. So let's get into the Bates family overall. And I want to talk about Norma first, because I think Norma. Norma is actually more central to this show, I think, than even Norman in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about Norma, and then we're going to get into the amazing Vera Farmiga and her performance because she's she's just amazing, mind-blowing. So your overall thoughts on Norma, Jen? Oh, my God. I loved I loved Norma so much. and But there was times where, because of Vera's amazing performance, where I was just like, you are hella unstable. But as I'm watching it, I've kind of came to the conclusion that Norma and everyone in Norma's life are, in a sense, in a way, victims of her traumatic life and mm -hmm. and her untreated trauma and not coming face to face with the tragedies. But she she manifests all the love and care that she has and she puts it into Norman. Like she's to me, she's like a best intentions gone horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. All she wants is she's just she's a good mother in the sense that she wants what any parent would want for their kid. Happy, healthy, safe, protective. But she takes it that extra step because of everything that she had experienced in her life. She has such the trust issues. It's always her and Norman always and forever. I always felt that Norma put all her hopes and dreams into Norman in the hopes of mm -hmm. that better life and doing better and him not being a regular teenager and her not being just, you know, I don't know, whatever, a regular mom, but something better, better than what she had. And, but again, because she was in, she just continuously runs from her past in denial, which is so sad, but somewhat understandable. It's a lot. It's a lot to want to have to come face to face with, but because she ran like, everything just kind of gets twisted and skewed. And we see how that manifests within Norman, Dylan, even like Emma a little bit, mm -hmm. Caleb, like, so 
but I love, I loved her. I, I felt that I felt a lot of that motheriness, but without the smotheriness, like <laughs> yeah. just, just a brilliant, beautiful, sad, tragic, scary character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfectly, perfectly said. Tiff. In the hands of anybody else, and I know we'll talk about Vera's performance, it's kind of separate from that. Norma would be the most manipulative, the most um, over-the-top character that you could ever see. Because from just at a brief glance, you can tell this woman is like helicopter mom to the nth degree. But she's only like that with one of her kids. You know, she pushes, she she smothers Norman and then she pushes, she keeps Dylan like away with a, with a 10 foot pole. So it's interesting. And then of course we find out later why that relationship is at what it is, but you know, the manipulation that she, that she consistently does with Norman, you find out that there is a reason why there's a reason there is a methodology to everything that Norma does. Uh, it, part of it, as Jen said, is because of her massive, massive PTSD. You find out that she has it from childhood to her her marriage and you know what her, her late husband was consistently doing to her and to Norma. It's one of those things where the person that you're the character that you're seeing there is a this is this is trauma 101 and she acts the way she does because of the trauma that she had it's a it's a masterful performance masterful like i said we'll i know we'll, we'll talk about vera uh separately from this but I, I can't wait to dive into that because it's uh mm. the character is just one of the, the best portrayed characters i think i've ever seen so well written yeah, I, I completely agree. And especially, you know, as a female character, when you when you first meet her, you almost think she's going to be the villain. At least that's the way they kind of set it up. And she's a victim in a lot of respects. And she ends up being a victim in her death as well, which we'll get into that because that's just something I think that needs to be dove into a little bit separately. But she's just such an amazing character with so many different levels because you could very easily write this character as just completely evil, completely manipulative, completely just like, like you were saying, just a completely manipulative person to, if you could have just easily written her off like that. And I think in a lesser writer's hands, I think of course we'll get into the performance in a lesser actor's hands, all that kind of stuff. She would have come off like that, but you see so many different layers to her, especially as the show goes on and you understand why She's so cold and cruel to Dylan and we'll get into that relationship too and why her preferences for Norman and, and all that stuff. And, you know, it is watching someone who their psyche was so damaged at such a young age and they never dealt with it and never got help for it and never had anyone to help them with it and never had anyone to talk to about it. And she lives in this fear of that coming out and people learning about that stuff and abandoning her and leaving her because abandonment is her biggest fear. And, you know, when we get into Alex, I want to talk about the scene where she tells Alex what happened with her and her brother, because I think it's one of the most beautiful scenes in the whole show because of the fact that for once she tells this story, this horrible story about 
what her brother did to her and her life. And she thinks this is going to push this man away because it'll push anyone away. And instead it brings him closer to her. And I think it's so beautiful for her because that's why this story is so tragic because she could have had this amazing life with him and finally been loved for who she was and not have to give so much of herself and take care of someone and lose herself in someone. She could have had a healthy, stable relationship and she didn't get that. Uh, So that's what's so tragic. She's a tragic character just all around. And it's tragic watching her with Norman because there are moments where she actually it's like, okay, I do need to get him help. My son is completely messed up and he needs help and he's dangerous and he's a danger to himself and danger to everyone. But then she's so afraid of losing him that she just pulls him back in. It's like this really push pull, very unhealthy relationship. But I think it all stems, of course, like we've said, from her PTSD, from her very abusive upbringing. I mean, she, her parents were abusive. Her brother, and we'll get into it more when we talk about Caleb, but her relationship with her brother was incestuous and abusive and manipulative. And so it's like she doesn't know fully who she is. And I think the reason she dresses like the 60s and listens to the 60s is she's stuck in her own past. And so she's so stuck in that realm that she can't get out of it. And it's just, she's just one of the best female characters I've ever seen on TV, even though she's so messed up. She's so well-written and she's got so many dimensions to her. And you you end up really, really loving her. And that's why her death is all the more painful because Mm -hmm. you really love her. Even though she does these horrible things, you still love her because mm. she's a beautiful person. She's just was tragically or just her life was just filled with tragedy. So, so I, I want to talk, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I just, I love beautifully written tragic characters that you, mm-hmm. you feel for them. You sympathize, you empathize, but at the same time, like, yeah, there's a bit of fear and, and a little like, why, why? Like, you know why, yeah. but you're just, you get upset because you want more, you want better. And I, I love characters that are written that way because of that, that divide within of God, I love her. She's great, but yes, yeah, she's horribly manipulative and the things that she says and does to kind of get her way, her, you know, a bit of narcissism as mm-hmm. well. But then, yeah, you look deep within and below the surface and you're just like, Oh my God, <laughs> poor thing. <laughs> Yeah. And I love it. It's just that back and forth constantly. And uh, I just like, yeah, like y'all said, anyone in lesser writer hands and performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You know, it was a woman who helped create this show. I want to mention mm-hmm. that because I think that's very important, too. I think that's why she's strongly. That's why she's such a strong woman. And that's why I think a lot of the female characters in this show are so well written and so well developed. Uh, and I think that's because, you know, you have women in the writer's mm-hmm. room. You have a woman creating this show. And I think mm-hmm. that's so important, especially when you're dealing with this kind of subject matter. Because I think in a lesser creator's hands, they could have made Norma a very, 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 very sexual character, like an almost vixen type character. And she's not like that. She's gorgeous. She's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's sexy, but in a different kind of way, not in that vixen way. Mm-hmm. And I think. I mean, I, I think she's a little bit more like that in uh, Norm Norman's mind, in, in the fake Norma that he creates. That's more of a vixen, I think. 
But in real life, she's not like that. And I think if a man had done this, I honestly believe they would have made her a little bit more that way. I could be wrong, but that's kind of the way I kind of view it. But yeah, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, let's talk about Vera Farmiga's performance because I wanted to single this one out because I think it's what makes the show really, really work, honestly. And she's just, she's a goddess anyway. I just, she's one of my favorite actresses. I think she's just phenomenal in everything she does. So what are your thoughts on her performance, Jen? I loved it. Oh my God. It's again with that character, that this kind of back and forth with this character, the complicated relationship that you have with it, with her. I don't think we would have gotten that had it been portrayed by anybody else mm-hmm. because Vera comes across, she portrays Norma as sweet and innocent and scared, but also again, terrifying, manipulative, mean, um, overbearing. And, but she does it so beautifully again, where you just kind of like every other male character in the show, you can't help but fall for her. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I really, I don't see anyone else because the look, the way she's, the way she's able to portray so much with her eyes, that desperation, the wanting, the need, the fear, the way she's able to switch back and forth between so sweet and scared and innocent to just like, you know what? Fuck it. No. Mm-hmm. And then she starts screaming. You're like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And I think uh, Bates motel is probably my favorite role of, of Vera's. And I'm, I'm not to say that I'm familiar with everything she's ever done, but this one definitely stands out for me um, in terms of best favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And Tiff. In the hands of a, of a lesser actress, this would have been a total-ish show. It would have delved into caricature. It would have been way, way just too outside the box, I think, to be believable. But in Veer's hands, which are extremely capable, <laughs> um, the character is believable. You can believe that this woman who has whose whole entire life is formed and framed by trauma would act this way as a grown woman where she is jealous of her son's friends, where she treats her oldest son like absolute dirt. And you still feel sympathy for her when you find out the reasons why and the reasons behind her actual behavior, her expressions, her body language, because at times, uh, Norma is is very confident. She strides. She she almost struts, not in a sexual mm-hmm. manner, but the, in a confident manner, in in a in a manner that you know she is believing. She believes in herself. She believes in what she's doing. And then at other times, you can tell she is just beaten down by life. She is downtrodden. She is um, she's exhausted. She's exhausted. There's one episode, um, the the name of the episode slips my mind, but where she's just, she's sitting on the bed and she's just got on a little, like her slip. Uh, and she's just, her shoulders are hunched. Her head is hanging down. And it's such a, it's such a stark way to look at her because, you know, her hair is done. She's quaffed. Um, her makeup is on, but her clothing is not. So it's a, it's a stark difference between how she feels and how she portrays to the rest of the world. It, it, it's an absolute, uh, it, it's a masterclass in acting. I think 
I was familiar with some of her other work. And I think probably besides Bates Motel, my favorite um, uh, work of hers was her in The Departed. I thought she was excellent in that. She's she's fabulous in The yeah. Departed. She's absolutely fabulous in it. So Vera's, Vera's uh, career is long and, and storied. And this was just like, Mm, chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just echoing everything everything everyone said. I mean, I've loved her for a long, long time. She's one of those that's, she just fascinates me to watch. She's fascinating to watch. She delves into characters and becomes them. Every single bit of her is this character, is Norma. Her eyes, I mean, we, we talk about eyes all the time on this podcast, but you see the performance, you see the character in the eyes. And I think one of her best, best episodes was the episode where Norma just takes off where she's just had it and she can't take anymore. And she's found out, you know, that Caleb is there and that Dylan was keeping that from her. And it's like the final straw and she's so stressed all the time. And she's so, she's just, she's like a ball of stress and a ball of panic and a ball of anxiety because, you know, she's never dealt with any of the trauma she's been through and she's, goes through trauma as an adult. I mean, she has, yeah, she had an abusive husband and all that stuff. So it's not just this traumatic event that happened when she was a child. She's just has always suffered trauma. And I think it was just the final straw and she just breaks. And when she has that whole time over, she disappears, she throws her phone away. You know, it's this incredible thing because you don't think of Norma as someone who would ever abandon Norman. And she abandons Norman. And it's like, she's like, I just can't do this anymore. I have to be for myself. And watching Vera in that episode is incredible because she goes through different, so many different emotions. She's got so much anger, so much sorrow, fear. And then at the very end when she goes and she takes Dylan and Norman and they go and see Caleb and she goes to Caleb and Caleb like breaks down and is like apologizing. And you watch her face in that. Oh my gosh. She doesn't even say anything. And it's just the most incredible, incredible performance. I mean, the fact that, she didn't win every award imaginable for right? this is such a crime because she's so incredible. She's just so incredible. She walks that line between innocence and strong mm-hmm. and sexy, but not, you know, like I said, not vixen and uh, motherly and then smotherly and then dangerous and then funny and sweet and charming. So charming. And she does it all so well. And, yeah, if anyone else had done this, I don't think anyone else could do this. This is made for her. This role was made for her. And she's perfect in it. And I do agree. I think this is my favorite performance of hers. I love her in The Departed too. I also love her in The Conjuring series. I think she's great in The Conjuring series as well, mm-hmm. which is a totally different kind of character for her. But I just, she's such a powerhouse. She's just an absolute powerhouse. And she also, I think, elevates all the other actors. I think their performances become even better when they're working alongside her because she's a very giving actor. So she's not a selfish actor. And so I think she elevates everyone else that works with her. Cause I think all the performances overall are good. And I think she just elevates them a little bit more. And I love watching her in scenes with anybody because I think the scene becomes better, more intense, more emotional, no matter what. So yeah, she's just, it's one of the best television performances ever. And that's why it's so upsetting to me. This never won anything. She just yeah. she wasn't like lauded with awards galore. I mean, she should have shelves full. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so let's talk about Norman. Norman Bates, played by Freddie Highmore. So what are your thoughts on Norman, Jen? Oh, Norman. <laughs> Norman, Norman. So poor Norman, because again, with Norma's denial of her of her PTSD and, and the tragedies of, of her life, she wasn't willing to face the issues that Norman has had. Mm-hmm. Um mental illness, uh, dissociative identity disorder. She thought she could control it, contain it and clearly couldn't. And all in that super close relationship. While I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be close to a parent. She, it was uncomfortable. And because Norman had such an attachment to her and because of her unwillingness to let go in so many ways, we get the tragic character that is Norman Bates, that becomes Norman Bates. We see he starts off so sweet and normal. Oh, okay, so maybe some issues, blackouts, okay, okay. But then as it progresses and as these blackouts progress and become more intense and more frequent and you see Norma's denial, you, again, that complicated relationship with characters, I felt for him. I felt so bad for him. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, people experience tragic shit and they don't have to go around and murder people, whether it's an alternate personality or not. Like this is <laughs> yeah. it's, tragedy is not an excuse, but it's a way to kind of go, OK, I see where some of this is coming from, maybe to better understand it. I don't know. But he's felt I just just sympathy and, and heartbreak with Norman, mm-hmm. because I think he could have had he stayed in Pineview and gotten the help and really worked with Dr. Edwards. I think he could have been fine. He could have worked through all everything he needed to work through and we wouldn't have needed the outcome that we ended up getting, but, but he didn't. And that was a choice. So at some point you're just kind of like, well, you chose not to continue. And my sympathy ends for you there. So again, complicated character, amazing performance by Freddie Highmore. And just, I love the way that he was able to embody Norman Bates. Anthony Perkins is Norman Bates, obviously. Um, <laughs> but just the look, the feel, the creepiness, the night, uh, naiveness. Na- I can't pronounce Naivete. that word. Naivete. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... I, I loved watching that progression of kind of a sweet kid with some issues to full-blown, broken, mentally broken individual. No, but I, yes, I agree on all those points, Jen. And then Tiff, your thoughts on Norman? I wasn't a huge fan of Freddie Highmore um, as an actor. Uh, I thought that that the entire wide-eyed, almost sprite-like you know, elf-like look that he always did was um, borderline irritating. <laughs> so uh, when when the cast was announced, he was the one that I was least excited for. But I have to say, as you said, Aaron, Vera elevates everybody. And um, the way she allowed, the way she pulled him up to make sure that this 
uh, performance was top notch was A plus because that creepy stare that he gives. Um, oh my goodness, so creepy <laughs> when he's when he's doing this thousand yard stare. It feels like he's almost looking through you, and you have to wonder: Is he staring at something behind you? <laughs> is he, it's like is is something behind me? Is there a ghost behind me? <laughs> is, there, is there a demon behind me? What, what's <laughs> so, am I the demon? <laughs> um, so yeah, he he did a fantastic job. I think with that character, the character is is it gets under your skin. It gets under your skin because at times you think he's so like he's so kind to Emma. Um, mm-hmm. He he's so uh, before they found their footing. I think as as friends, uh, you know, there was that brief moment where uh, they wanted to kind of I guess uh, go steady. <laughs> but but once they moved past that, um, it was this really like sibling like relationship between the two of them because Norman doesn't have that relationship with Dylan because Dylan wasn't around. So uh, it really feels like he and Emma are brother and sister. He's he's very kind to her and and vice versa. She's she's kind to him as well. Uh, and I think they really build each other up because they're both loners. They're they're not the popular kids. They don't have a ton of friends. So um, they they help each other out uh, with that. But but he is incredibly, he makes you uncomfortable. He does. He makes you uncomfortable. The way he looks at you, the way he reacts to you. His attitude towards Romero is just, oh. <laughs> and I know, you know, I know part of it is because he's protective of Norma in a very unhealthy manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Aaron mentioned, you know, that psychosexual relationship that they have, uh, well, that the show hints toward is um, is part and parcel. So it almost feels like jealousy when Romero uh, begins to ha- take an interest in in Norma, you know, in a romantic way. It it, it definitely feels like there's this, these waves of, of, of that green-eyed monster coming off of Norman toward him. And he's like, you know, hey man, back off from my mother. Not in a protective way that a son would do t- for his mom, but like almost as a rival. Uh, a romantic rival. It's uh, it's extremely uncomfortable, but that just shows you how how well it was written, how well the character is written, and how well Highmore actually uh, performed uh, as the character. So, really, it, it was an extension of um, of Anthony Perkins' creepiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the perfect prequel to that. And you know, we obviously talked about how contemporary this felt and, and is. And it's an excellent interpretation, excellent interpretation of um, of the way Hitchcock had Perkins uh, react to that writing. So um, really, really just a dynamic performance, definitely mm-hmm. dynamic. Yeah. I, and I think it gets better and better as the show goes on. I think he gets better and better and he gets creepier and creepier. And in the final season, he's really creepy, especially, you know, because he also has the added challenge that within the fifth season, he has to play Norman, which he plays this already, but to an nth degree, he has to play Norman as two different people. 
So he plays Norman as the Norman that he thinks he is with this innocent, shy, sweet guy. Like everybody always describes him as very sweet and nice, even when they know he's killed people like Dylan. Dylan still says he's a very sweet kid. And then he has to play the Norman Norma character, you know, and that's totally different. And that's like this very scary, manipulative. He's got this little smile that he does when he's Norman Norma. (laughs) That's really creepy. And um, you just think any moment now he's just going to reach across and just like stab you or something or do something even worse. And he does that as Norma too, but it's really heightened when he's got the Norman. I mean, as Norman too, but it's heightened when he got the Norma thing in him. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, it's just so unnerving to watch him when he's doing the peephole stuff, when he's watching oh. through the peephole. Oh, that is so creepy. <laughs> Especially because you know there are places that actually do that. Where oh, I know. And it's just the way that, that, that that's filmed is really good, too. And mm-hmm. it's just so unnerving. And, you know, he's got this whole that whole scene when he's watching and he's masturbating while he's watching through the peephole was. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it makes you want to puke. Yes, it's so uncomfortable. And his relationship, and we'll get into it big time here soon, but his relationship with Norma is one of the most unhealthy relationships in the world. And, you know, he has these moments where he's trying to push push her away and he's trying to break free and he's trying to find freedom more in the earlier seasons. But he always comes back to her because she's like this safety net for him and always has been. And protects him and he's got this thing where he there is this you can see he's attracted to his mom you can see he desires her and it's so disturbing to watch and in the fifth season why is her name escaping me but the hardware shop owner woman that looks bears a resemblance oh, and dresses yeah, Loomis. like uh, Mrs. Yeah. Loomis yes frick what's yes. her name Lost I, know, it. I can't believe I can't remember. But yes, Mrs. Loomis. She, I mean, that's really creepy because you know that's a lot of the reason why he's attracted to her. It's because Madeline. he views her. Yes, Madeline. He views her as, as his mother, you know. And while Norma is very protective of Norman and, you know, is a little too protective and too smothering and too helicopter mom, Norma, I'm Norman, sorry. Norman is also way too protective of Norma on this at the same level. And especially when he finds out certain things about her past and the way he is with Alex and I love Alex. And so watching that was a very interesting dynamic because I actually don't think that relationship started out that way. It was, it built up to that because I think Norman knew that his mom was happy with Alex and could see that. And he didn't want that because he felt he'd be second fiddle Mm-hmm. And not just as a son. So it's a very disturbing thing. It's a disturbing character. And it's very interesting to watch him because there's a part of you, like everyone said, that where you feel a little bit of sympathy for him and you feel for him and you feel bad for him. But at the same time, you see these awful, horrible things that he does. And so it's kind of like that just erases all that sympathy you're going to have for him because how can you have sympathy for someone who murders people, you know? Mm-hmm. the way he does you just can't but you still do feel bad for him and i think that's all goes to the performance really and i really do think that performance just got better and better and better and better as the seasons progressed and i i think it's also that you see 
the character falling apart through the seasons too. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. And it was really interesting to me because I did a poll. We didn't get many votes because this isn't, you know, I don't know. This isn't a show that I guess a lot of people watch. It still has that underground following, but we did a poll and of all the Bates ones, we just had Norma, Norman and Dylan. And I was surprised that Norman actually got about the, the same amount of votes as Dylan. It was pretty much tied. I was surprised because I thought Norma would get a lot of votes. And I don't, she didn't really get anything. That was really surprising to me. Huh. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of because some people thought Norman was their favorite. And I was kind of shocked by that because I don't know. I just I think just I was like, I didn't think people would think of him as the favorite. I thought people would say Norma. I actually thought Norma would win, mm-hmm. to be honest. But yeah, yeah. So that was just interesting. But oh, that is interesting. <laughs> It makes me wonder. I want. I want everyone to defend their answers now. <laughs> I know if you're listening and you love Norman the most, if Norman is your favorite character, tell us why. Seriously, tell yeah, us please. why. Because I really want to know why. Because, I mean, you know, I watch Dexter too. I'm as everybody knows, I'm a big Dexter fan, and you do have that little dichotomy there where you're like, okay, I shouldn't like this character. And I like Dexter to a degree, but I still want Dexter to be caught or killed because he's a murderer, you know. But yeah, so I just I just would be curious to hear that because I was really shocked by that. <laughs> okay, let's talk about my favorite character <laughs> in the show and my one of my all-time favorite male characters, Dylan, which I ended up loving him even more on this rewatch. I just I uh, Dylan is someone I just want to wrap in blankets and feed chicken soup to. So <laughs> Okay, your thoughts on Dylan, Jen? Uh, I love Dylan. Two pieces. What a what a beautiful character. He's so kind and giving. He's a little lost and on the outside because he's never been fully embraced by Norma, which we understand. We find out really why later. But he that doesn't stop him really from trying throughout most of the series. He's there and and saves them at the end of, or has a big role in saving them at the end of season one. Um, mm-hmm. Season two, like all throughout, he he comes in. He's kind of like their knight in shining armor. And he's kind and he's sweet. and But he's smart. He knows when to just shut up and listen. He knows that what he's doing, being in that um, marijuana business up there on Murder Mountain, he knows that he can't just be emotional and just react to things. So he's really maintained that very kind of cold exterior, but there's so much, so much love and emotion in, in him. And he's also a great example of how people can have very traumatic and shitty childhoods and still grow up and not have to be a shitty murderous piece of shit. Like (laughs) sure. He's got some questionable life, life choices, But in the end, like, I think he's always kind of built up to wanting to have a, quote, normal life, Mm -hmm. whether that was with Norma and Norman or something that he was able to obtain for himself, whether he initially ever saw it, because he didn't really see it until he had Emma and hate the name, love the couple, but dilemma forever. Uh, (laughs) So those two, I love them. and, And they're so great together. But Dylan is and he's he's a badass and he's sexy and he's hot and he's cute and <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time i just want to hold him and be like it's going to be okay everything is going to be it's going to be all good as norma says but 
I just, you want to care for him and you want to be there with him for him. Um, because he just, he like exudes that as well. Like he wants to provide that for you as well. And he's a great character, sympathetic character, uh, well-written, well-acted, and just one of my all-time favorites. Like, I think one of the few good people in this in this series. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Tiff? So uh, how many times did we say that we just wanted to put bubble wrap around him and <laughs> yep. to, to take care of him and to uh, ensure his well-being? Because he's treated so so badly by Norma, he's so he's he's treated horribly by Norma, and to an extension, Norman is not is is not brotherly to him at all either. Because he's he's acting, uh, he's taking his cues from Norma and how she treats him. Um, but as Jen said, Dylan is smart. He is clever. He is able to, he's been on his own and he's been taking care of himself since he was extremely young. So he's capable. Um, Even if you disagree with how he was making his money and the business that he was in, you could see that, hey, this guy has some some business knowledge. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's doing. Um, He did get in, you know, he ran into some trouble, obviously, some nefarious characters uh, because when you are in that business and it's not exactly legal, you're going to run into people who are going to try to snatch that business from you. Um, he is one of, he's definitely my favorite character in the series. And he's one of my favorite male characters ever. And I think it just goes to show you that writer's room ex- knew exactly what they were doing when they wrote Dylan. They, they knew exactly. And Max Terrio, who's an, a great actor, mm-hmm. he knew exactly what the assignment was like that. <laughs> he knew what the assignment was and he executed it to perfection. So A plus, 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 plus mm-hmm. some <laughs> extra credit. <laughs> and I love that we all love Dylan. Uh, I think it would have been kind of sad if any of us didn't like Dylan. <laughs> He's not like Dylan. I mean, I he might not be like a someone's favorite character in the show, but come on, you can't not like mm-hmm. Dylan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just like I said, and I've already I actually have mentioned um, when I was talking about how I was into this show a few weeks ago on one of our episodes. So I was rewatching it and how I was into Dylan again because he's just you really do want to put him in bubble wrap. I do remember we would say that all the time, Tiff, when we'd be watching this, because my biggest fear watching this show as it went on was that he was going to die. I was so worried that Norman was going to kill him. It was always in my head. And there were always moments where it came close to that. Even in the first season, there's a moment where Norman almost kills him. And you're always worried about that with him. And I'm always like, gosh, just protect him. I don't, I, you know, there were other characters I didn't want to die as well, but Dylan, above all, I was like, Dylan deserves happiness above all these characters. Dylan deserves love and happiness because it's not his fault the way he came into this world. Right. That's not his fault. He didn't do that. He's not his father. And the fact that he had to grow up and watch as his mother treated his brother like this prize and like this diamond 
and like the most precious thing in the world. And then she treated him the exact opposite had to be so incredibly painful. Talk about feeling rejected and like you're not worthy and like you're not worth anything. I mean, to watch that play out. And even though, you know, I don't think Dylan would have wanted that unhealthy relationship. He desperately wanted Norma to love him. And you see that he also tries to keep her at a distance with always calling her Norma. You know, there's a couple times he does slip and say mom, but he always calls her Norma. And you can tell that the reason he does that is he doesn't see her as his mom fully. And he's so angry with her, but he's also so sad. And he wants to be her son and he just wants acceptance and love from her. And I love that he found acceptance and love with Emma because that wasn't something when the show started, I ever would have thought would have happened. And then it just did. And it really worked really well. And I love that he ended up being a father and I love that he moved away. And I love that he had happiness in his life because he deserved that. Like I said, more than anyone else on this show, in my opinion. And yeah, the performance is really good. I agree. The performance is really, really good. I don't think it's highlighted as much because he doesn't have any like huge moments like Norma does or Norman does, but he has a lot of subtlety and he has to also react to a lot of things that go around him on around him. So he has a lot of moments where he doesn't say anything and watching him also, what I think is so interesting about Dylan is he could have easily ended up hating Norman in the end. And we'll talk about the end and um, what happens to Norman in the last scenes with Norman and Dylan but he could have easily hated Norman in the end and he didn't. He actually still had some love for Norman, which I think speaks volumes to him as a character and him as a human being because he really, really didn't have to. I mean, what Norman did was horrible. I mean, Norman, you know, killed his mother-in-law and he still was like, I'm still going to, love you and I'm still going to want to protect you. And I'm still going to think of you as having some good in you. And I think that's who Dylan is. Dylan just wanted to see good in people. And we'll get into Norma and Dylan's relationship in a minute, because I just, that's another tragic thing because it has some moments that are so beautiful where it actually becomes a really good relationship and then it falls Mm -hmm. apart again. But yeah, he's just, he's one of my all time favorite male characters I love him so, so much. And yeah, he works in, he does some questionable things. He doesn't always work on the right side of the law, quote unquote. But he's never a bad person. He's just a genuinely good person. And he genuinely cares for people and genuinely loves people. And he does stuff for people. He's the least selfish character on the show. The the way, what he does for Emma to get her those the lungs is pretty incredible. He risks his life for her. And that's before they're even really together. And that's really amazing. So he's just, just such, such an incredible human being. So I just, I, I love Dylan. Nothing wrong with Dylan. <laughs> can, I say, can I say yeah. one more thing about yeah, that? Of course. I thought it was an interesting um, decision. It was a, like a calculated decision by the writers to, let us know, hey, this is not a redemption arc for this family. Dylan did not find his happiness because Norman got the help that he needed and was living a healthy lifestyle. 
Norma got the help she needed and was living a healthy mm-hmm. lifestyle. And then they all came back together and everything was copacetic. Dylan had to find his happiness by leaving, by removing himself from that situation completely and finding his happiness with someone who was grounded uh, in reality and who, mm-hmm. who could who could love him unconditionally as Emma did. And he had to make his own family. Sometimes family mm-hmm. is found. Family is made. It's not family that you're born into. I love that decision. I love that decision by the writers because too many times they're like, writers' rooms are like, oh, well, no, they have to be redeemed and he has to be happy with the family that he was born into and, and this is what's going to happen. There's mm-hmm. going to be this, this forgiveness and everybody's going to eat pie and ice cream and, and be happy together. No, he had to take himself away from that from that situation completely in order mm-hmm. to to grow and and to ultimately be content in life. Love that. I love that mm-hmm, decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Great, great point. Yeah, that was a beautiful thing. And I loved that he did leave. That mm-hmm. was great and wonderful. And that he didn't sacrifice himself for this. I mean, I, I hate that he didn't know that his mom died for so long. Oh. That was Oh my God. I was so furious about that. That was so mm-hmm. infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was so unfair. That was yeah, so was. unfair. Yeah. Um, but I am glad that he removed himself from that yeah. situation. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very, very good point. Jeff. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree completely. Okay. So we're going to talk about Norma's relationship with her sons. Uh, and we'll first talk about Norman and Norman's <laughs> the very healthy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> relationship. So what are your thoughts on their relationship, Jen? Oh, it's too uncomfortable. (laughs) They are, yeah, it's just uncomfortable. Like, again, you see how much Norma cares about Norman, but it gets skewed because of her past. And she doesn't know boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't know that at some point there's, you cross that line of what's appropriate and inappropriate um, for a mother son relationship. And there was one of the scenes is where it's like after like one of the one kind of psychology dude that she was kind of seeing a little bit through going back to school makes that suggestion that to Norman, that he may find Norma attractive. And I love this scene because it shows how much she cares as a mother And I I get the idea that you want to try and squash it and not make a big deal about it. But I don't like that. I don't necessarily like how she went about it. She's like, yeah, I've got breasts. You're going to look no big deal. Yes. But at the same time, it's a teenage son. And maybe you Mm -hmm. shouldn't encourage the looking and maybe start putting that space between you and him. But I, I think that also highlights that desperation and need for her to be close with him and not... It, it just to be close physically, emotionally, um, just to always have that bond, that cord between the two of them. And it's such a fascinating scene because it's uncomfortable, I think, in how she explains it. But it's also a very sweet moment in a very mothering sense of trying to downplay it, which you would almost do with a smaller child. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. It's. And, but it's one of my favorite scenes, but it's also because it's also it's beautiful and uncomfortable, just like their kind of relationship. 
they, they don't have anyone else. They've never had anyone else. They only know how to rely on each other. And that ends up being very tragic. And, but again, there's gotta be that divide. And because Norma always sees it as just them against the world, there was never going to be that separation that, you know, a parent mm-hmm. with a, with a teenage kid may end up going through or a teen, you know, cause the teenager is going to eventually pull away go for their own independence like we saw Norman try to do in the first couple seasons. But she's manipulative and just pulls him back in because, again, she's scared to be afraid and abandoned. She's afraid mm-hmm. Norman's going to get a taste of, quote, normal life and psh, be off. And then what? What's left for her? It's just the dynamic. It's uncomfortable, like I said, a thousand times. <laughs> and But so fascinating. So fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And very comfortable. Yep. Very <laughs> it's a relationship that really, really makes my skin crawl. It that's the best way I can describe it. Um, because I have never seen a teenage son that wants to sleep in the same bed as mm-hmm. his mother and is constantly up under his mother. And she's constantly, you know, there's that, there's one thing to be affectionate with each other. And there is an entirely different situation to be um, almost romantically affectionate with one another. Uh, The whole thing, as Jen talked about with the, you know, oh, I have breasts and he's going to look, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, no. a, a little boy, you know, will look and it's nothing. And that's not a big deal because the human body is the human body. And it's no big deal. But there has to be at a certain point in time, you have to realize that that is not appropriate for a mother and for a son. And the same way it wouldn't be appropriate for, you know, a father and daughter. And that would be the interesting thing uh, if we flipped genders and we had a Norman man father and we had a Norma daughter mm-hmm. would people be you know would would that have been said oh I have mm-hmm. a I have a penis she's gonna look <laughs> oh, <God>. oh man <laughs> yes yes see you see your reactions to it you know I mean got so much words oh, it, yeah. it's, it's you know and but that's that's the gender dynamic that we you know mm-hmm. that we've been ingrained that's been ingrained in us the entire time we we have learned to believe that it's so much worse when it's when the the power dynamic is male and the subordinate yeah. is female. We've mm-hmm. been conditioned to believe that it's so much worse when they should be even Stevens. It's terrible either way. You know, it's it's one of those things yes. where it should make you equally uncomfortable. It should make you equally sick when you think about something like that. And I think that's see that's what it is. We talked about how manipulative Norma is toward Norman, but it's a power dynamic. She exists in a she exists in a power vacuum, and she takes all of Norman's power from him, and she she wraps it up in this. Um, oh, you will always need me, mm-hmm. and to an extent, yes, you know we do need our mothers. We do, um, you know, unless it's one of those situations where it's an abusive parent and um, the, per- the kid is better off without the mother. But most of the time a kid is always going to want their mother. 
And she uses that in an extremely unhealthy manner because she, she essentially lets him know that you can't stand on your own two feet, that you will never be able to stand on your own two feet. You will always need me. I will always have to be front and center, the first person in your life. And it's not the way that's supposed to go. When, you know, when you, when you leave home and when you find your independence, you cling to, if you, if you find a partner in life, uh, you cling to that person. You're supposed to leave your parents behind and cling to the person that you find, not have this, (laughs) your mother or your father still the number one person in your life. It's Mm -hmm. so, no, as Jensen, it is an incredibly it is a disgusting relationship. There's nothing sweet about it. There's there's nothing um, that you look at it and you say, "Oh, I love that part of that relationship. I love that aspect of that relationship." No, no, no. Like I when they rub their <laughs> together, they're oh, yeah. like, "Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> exactly, exactly." Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I come. Yeah, it's so unhealthy. And you're always on edge because you're always worried they're going to kiss. I mean, that's literally what you're always afraid is going to happen because they are way too close. I mean, unhealthy. It's so unhealthy. And the fact that he sleeps in the same bed with her is one of the most disturbing and unhealthy things ever. I mean, yes, when you're a little, little, little kid, that's fine. When you're a teenage boy, that's just wrong. And that's just not okay. I can understand, you know, if like, if, you know, your mom's really sick and maybe she's, you know, in extreme situation, she's got cancer or something like that. And you're, you're comforting her, you're doing that. But that's not what it was. It was more the way a husband and a wife would be sleeping in a bed together. And so it was so unhealthy and they're so meshed together. And that's why, you know, it makes sense that, with Norman's um, mental illness that he would end up becoming her as his alter alter ego sort of his um, with his disassociative disorder that he would become her because he's already so meshed with her. She's just so much a part of him that there's no way that can't happen in a way. It's almost like this was predestined because they are so close and you know, it, it's just, Watching it is like, oh, you almost want to shower afterwards because you're like, this is so wrong and so dirty in this way. And the way Norma, except for she does like Emma, but the way Norma doesn't want Norman to have any life outside of her and how she manipulates that, like you said, Tiffany, she just manipulates him constantly. And whenever he tries to break free, she does stuff that to make him feel guilty and like the whole thing when they go to audition for that musical and he like wants to help Bailey and then he wants to do all this other stuff and she's like using him and using this guilt and, and then he always feels guilty and you know, it's this is so unhealthy because there it's talk about um, codependent. I mean, they take codependent to a whole new level And I, you know, I do appreciate though, I will say, I am glad they never, ever, ever, ever had them kiss or anything because I was always worried that was going to happen. 
And I think if that had happened, I think it would have kind of ruined the show because even though that's there, I'm glad it was never acted upon mm-hmm. um, because that would have been just, oh, it. Oh. <laughs> and I think that added to the overall suspenseful tone of the yeah. series mm-hmm. because the show is suspenseful and creepy and unsettling. It's not gory. It's not, yeah. you know, overtly. Well, I was going to say overtly violent, but there, there's violence. But it's so yeah to to just kind of leave that hanging out there and let us the viewers putting us through that of like oh my god please don't and then never doing it was almost like you said just that mm-hmm. breath of fresh air and I think I almost felt like that was intentional like they did it yeah. just to add to that Jerks. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably yeah and I you know and as much as I think Norma was very unhealthily unhealthy with him and very codependent with him. I don't didn't always get the feeling that she was on that sexual attraction level that that excuse me not Dylan sorry that Norm Norman was because I think Norman had it to a different level and I think it's because I mean this is not an excuse at all but I think it's because all this stuff was happening while he's going through puberty too so he's like going through puberty and learning sexuality and here he is lying in bed with his mom and the fact that she changes right in front of him is like (laughs) the most inappropriate thing ever you just don't do that and she just said no this is normal this is what you do I'm your mother whatever I'm your mother or like what you said Jen she's explaining that of course you're gonna look at me I mean no you're not gonna do that you shouldn't do that that's not normal that's not healthy and she should have you know, done that a totally different way. But yeah, it's just, it's one of the most disturbing relationships I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's just, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about Norma and Dylan because that's a totally different mother son relationship. So what's your thoughts on that one, Jen? Oh, so heartbreaking because you see that Dylan wants so desperately to have even just the smallest amount of affection fraction of affection that she gives to Norman he wants Mm -hmm. just the acknowledgement of that's my son and I care about him and and it's so complicated because I think normal I think normal wants to love Dylan and wants to care about him but there's that direct connection of that trauma from her childhood that it's understandably hard to do so and again Mm -hmm untreated trauma and this is how it's kind of manifested um for this family but you you see a little bit of their their give and take where they butt heads and but then they come together and again dylan being the one to kind of save them a few times throughout the series again that wanting that needing him showing her how to show shoot a gun being proud mm-hmm. of her for hitting the target, even though she is super reckless and should not have a yeah. fucking gun. <laughs> she shoots it and then she's all woohoo, like, no, don't, don't. <laughs> oh my God. But that's one of the first times he does call her mom. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, you called me mom. And she loved it. You know, you could kind of tell that there was a part of her that really, really loved that moment. And there was a part where you can tell Dylan was maybe a little happy that he got to say it and that he felt that way. But again, because of their, their relationship, I think when he, whenever he drops, calls her Norma, it's 
more of a defense mechanism for him. I think yeah. it's, it's to keep, because she's always kept him, you know, at arm's length, 10 foot pole, just, just kind of out of reach. That's, that's the only relationship he knows how to have with her. So he reciprocates that by keeping her just out of reach by calling her Norma, but then mm-hmm. still showing up when she calls him and needs him. Now the progression of their relationship is all because of Norman and how he becomes, how his mental illness, mental stability is deteriorating and how they both really want to get him help and how Dylan is so driven to get him help. And he's trying to get Norma to get him the help that Norman needs. She's almost there. She's, she agrees. Okay. Yes, yes. It's, Mm -hmm. it's time to do something about this. So they come together for that. And almost in Norman's eyes, like conspiring against him. And Norman gets a little jealous that now those two are getting close. That's my, well, that was my interpretation of it. Um, So, but then once Norma agrees to let Norman come home from Pineview, like, yeah, that was, that was it for Dylan. No more of this toxic ass family. He's got to fucking go and go create his own happiness. Um, And he didn't want to, I don't think. But he knew, he knew when to walk away. He's like, I've, th- th- enough, enough was enough for this, this poor, beautiful boy. Um, <laughs> so I found yeah. there, I, I found that there was a want between the two of them to have some kind of relationship more than what they had. But because of who they were and their lives, they couldn't. Always kind of keeping each other just mm-hmm. out of reach. And that's so sad. Um, again, Dylan not knowing about Norma for a whole ass year, so fucking heartbreaking, so tragic, and just damn you, Norman. Yeah. Cause he didn't... And a lot of other people too. I mean, yeah, other people yeah. could have told him too. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was there the relationship just kind of breaks my heart because, like I said, you kind of see that they both want to be a bit closer, but don't know how to be close to each other. Cause he doesn't want that. Norma Norman relationship. He wants a more quote normal relationship with his mom, or at least get to a point where he can comfortably call her mom on a more regular basis. Yeah. So yeah. Ugh. Makes me want to cry. I know. <laughs> I know. Dylan. Dylan. <laughs> and Tip, your thoughts on their relationship. I totally agree with everything Jen just said. <laughs> Dylan, he's such a he's such a sweet summer child. And I just, mm-hmm. I just wanna, just wanna pat him on the back and and feed him cookies <laughs> and yeah. say woo 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 <laughs> because he is he craves that he craves that normalcy with Norma, even though even though she's treated him like absolute crap for his entire life. He still, he still, you can see that he comes around because he's giving her the opportunity to make things right. He keeps coming back around because he's trying to give her the opportunity to say, you know what? I was wrong. I think it would go such a long way. It would have gone such a long way had Norma actually sat down and apologized for her behavior toward him for his entire life, you know, for not raising him for, um, essentially abandoning him to whatever his own devices, I guess, for loving Norman more than she loved him. And you know that, you know, they say that, I mean, I have, I have two kids and you do, you love kids differently 
You don't love more one more than the other, but you do love them differently because they have different personalities. And with Norma, that was not the case. She loved Norman more. At times, it didn't even seem like she loved Dylan at all. And so I think had she addressed that, and they probably needed family therapy, not just, I mean, they need yeah. individual therapy, but they also need family therapy as well. Um, had she actually addressed it, had she said, Dylan, I am so sorry for this. This is the reason why. This is this is what happened in my past to make me behave this way. And it's not, it wasn't right, but this is why it happened. I think Dylan would have um, been satisfied with that because he was always looking for some type of connection with Norma. Always. He wasn't trying to keep on running. I think that he came to a point where he said, you know, in his mind, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to extend the olive branch. I'm going to uh, try to cultivate a relationship with my brother. And, and you see when they actually come to an okay place, Norma gets in between that. Norma doesn't like that. She thinks that Dylan is a, a poor influence on Norman. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah. It is absolutely ridiculous because if anybody is a poor influence on Norman, it's Norma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, really, really, you know, it's an uncomfortable relationship with Norma and Dylan in a different way of, the uncomfortable uncomfortableness that between Norma and Norman is a different level because you're seeing that this is not normal for a mother to treat her son, just like it's not normal how she treats Norman. It's the same exact feeling, but different reasons for those feelings. Mm-hmm. I just want to say real quick, I love how you phrased that it was Dylan giving Norma the chances to the opportunity to kind of be there and step up. Uh, I absolutely agree. I hadn't thought of it that way. And because he didn't need to follow them to the hotel when he found out that they just up and left, he could have at that point tried to start his own life. But I think that's a great way to put it. It was Dylan being that bigger, better person. I mean, like here, you've been shitty to me my whole life, but I'm going to continuously give you the opportunities to try and make up for it because Mm -hmm. you're my mom. And because I do kind of care, I, I, I just wanted to say, I thought that was great. I loved it. Hadn't thought of it. Now I can't mm-hmm. stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because had it been me and you find out, Hey, they just picked up and yep. moved. They didn't basically, they didn't even leave like a forwarding address. No. <laughs> it's just, just like, peace. <laughs> I'm out. Yep. <laughs> had, it, had it been me, I'm not looking for these people. Mm-hmm. Clearly you don't want me to find you. So I'm yep. not going to, I'm not even going to attempt. I'm going off and I'm doing my own thing. And if you somewhere down the line want to find me, then maybe, then right, maybe yeah. we can discuss some things at that point in time. But I'm not seeking it out. But like you said, Dylan, bigger, better person, always trying to uh, make that connection in some type of way. He's better than me. There's no way. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my heart for Dylan. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And the fact that, you know, he was not embraced when he went there. I mean, one of the first things that Norma says to him and one of the first things when they have alone is that she tells him she hates him. I mean, she just says she hates him. I mean, 
what a thing to say to your son who is this beautiful human being. He's not like this horrible human being. And you understand a little bit where that's coming from, but it's not his fault. He did not ask to be born that way. He didn't ask to be conceived the way he was. And I do think there are a couple moments where Norma does acknowledge that to some extent when the fact that she, you know, there's a scene where she does say to Dylan, how could something so beautiful come out of something so ugly? And that's a really beautiful thing for her to say. And I think that's something Dylan needed to hear his whole life. And she does say at one point, she does say, it's not his fault. It's not his fault that this happened. It's not your fault. But she still never fully embraces him as her son. I do think it's of the two, it's definitely the healthier in a way when they do have the moments when they're good. I'm glad we got to see a little bit where they did come together and they were, they looked like they were trying to heal and, there's a whole scene, um, you know, I think it's it's after Norma, you know, I, I don't know if it's after Norma finds out about Caleb or something, but they're, oh, it's Norma and uh, Norman are going to leave town. They're going to leave town and Norma finds Dylan and she tells Dylan that she wants him to come with them and that she's looking to buy that ticket. And they have this scene there and the look of utter shock on his face that she wants him to come is so devastating and heartbreaking. And, you know, I think he says, you, you want me to come? I mean, you want me to come? And it's so sad, but it was so beautiful at the same time. Cause it was like, wow, you're actually acknowledging that you have another son and that maybe he can be part of your life too. I mean, I'm glad he got away, but it's still, it was such a, yeah. And, and they have like a really great hug and a great moment where they embrace and it's like a healthy embrace. <laughs> so nice to see that yes and yeah and it was so nice to get those moments with Dylan and Norma because Dylan deserved that and I wish while I'm glad like was brought up earlier that you know he grew and and recovered from his trauma somewhat by leaving I think that was good I still sometimes wish we had been able to see a little bit more of them healing together, um, which I mean, and I'm not faulting the show at all for it because I think it was perfectly handled, but there's a part of me that wishes we had gotten that just for Dylan's sake. And I will say, you know, on a personal, on a personal note, as someone who had a parent, my father who left when I was born, came back into my life when I was five. And I did not call my dad, dad until I was 12 years old. So it's very interesting to watch a character do that because I was because I was like, I thought I was the only one who did that, but I would always call him by his first name. When I talked about him to other people, I would usually say his first name. And it is that thing of you don't want to name that person who they are because they've already abandoned you once. So if you name them and you give them that name, you're, you give them that name of dad or mom, and then they leave again, it's somehow in your mind, you think it'll make it worse. And so I do think it was always this protection thing with him. And when he would let that down and when he would let that word come out and and when it happened for me, it was also the same. It was just happened. It just happened. It was never anything like I planned. And it was kind of like this, whoa, wait, what did I just say? And I think that's what happened with Dylan is he liked saying it, but there was also that part of him that was like, whoa, wait, wait. And then he kind of went back to Norma. So it was like, you know, he's like, okay, I can't completely let that my guard down because she's acting like she wants me in her life. She wants me to help her, like with the gun scene and all that stuff. But at the same time, I know that push comes to shove, 
She's always going to choose Norman over me. She's always going to choose Norman's health over my health. She'll always feed Norman before she'll feed me. She would let me starve before she would let Norman, you know, she would let Norman have almost like a second helping of something and let me starve. And I think that's the way he views it. And it's so sad and heartbreaking because Dylan is such a good guy. If I, and I love that they did that in this show because I think if they had made him even one tenth the way the other, a lot of the other characters are on this show, it would have been, I think, easier in some ways to be on Norma's side in some of the situations. But because he's such a good, good, good person, he's got such a kind heart, you're like, what the hell, dude? What the fuck? You, this is, he's a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. boy, and you don't even fucking care. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't want to feed him cookies like we want to feed him cookies. <laughs> you don't want to feed him chicken soup. I mean, <laughs> how can you not want to do that? Right. But, <laughs> yeah. But of course, a lot of that also comes from, we're going to talk about Caleb now. And this is where a lot of that trigger for incest, we already talked about a little bit of that with Norma and Norman's relationship. But you find out in, in the first, isn't it in the first, is it in the first season? Yeah. That you find out, or was it because I binged it all together or was it the second season? Yeah. I think you find out pretty season. quick in the yeah. first mm-hmm. season um, yeah. about, cause I think, yeah, Caleb does show up in the second half of the first season. Yeah. And then I read that you find out. Yeah. Cause I had read that season one originally was only slated to be like the six first six episodes. So the oh. deputy Shelby storyline. And, and then- I guess, I don't know when it ended up, getting extended but then that's Mm -hmm. when they kind of plopped in so season one kind of feels like you're getting two seasons uh, in in one and essentially you are because I don't want to say they tacked on that storyline because it doesn't feel that way it feels it still feels very seamless Um, but it's just it was kind of interesting so yeah I think it is pretty um, within Mm -hmm. the first season that we get Caleb and the backstory of Caleb okay that's what I thought but all of a sudden I was questioning myself there, but of course Caleb comes in and Caleb is Norma's brother. And you find out that they had a incestuous relationship and Norma learned, you know, Norma went, this is wrong and wanted to stop it when they were teens and he raped her and she became pregnant with Dylan. And so Dylan is the product in her mind. This is, the manifestation of that abuse. And that's how you learn that that's a lot of why that relationship is so different. And Dylan learns this in this season as well. And yeah, so I want to talk about Caleb and that, that whole thing, Jen, what, what are your thoughts on Caleb overall on that? Yeah. So during the second rewatch, like I always kind of felt a bit bad for Caleb aside from the raping of Norma. Um, But I think upon this rewatch, like, like I say all these characters are tragic and victims of, of Norma in a sense. And Caleb, I think is one of like, I just, I feel so bad for him because I don't think him and Norma had such a shitty childhood and such abusive parents. They had no one else to lean on. So their whole perception and concept of love and closeness and family gets totally fucking warped to Mm -hmm. that incestuous level of the closeness. Cause we see in Caleb, like I really think Caleb truly deeply was in love with Norma Louise. Um, I think that Caleb kind of comes across as a bit slow, like maybe education wasn't a major priority in that family. So he's 
I, I don't know if that's, I, for lack of a better term, Caleb seems a bit slow, but he cares. He cares about Norma. He cares about Dylan uh, after finding, especially after finding out and everything. And he just wants to, he wants to like apologize. He spends like a season just wanting to try and rectify the the relationship, try to, he knows Norma's never going to forgive him, but he just wants to be able to apologize and acknowledge his mistake, his gigantic mistake. Um, so I think Caleb is just a tragic kind of victim in all of this, again, excluding the rape, which I'll get to in a second, because I don't think he ever had the mental or emotional capacity to truly understand the world he was in and his world and his life and his family and everything got so warped uh, throughout their childhood that when Norma came to him and was like, this is wrong, we can't do this anymore. He completely loses it, completely lashes out because now the only thing he knows and the only thing he cares about is in a sense turning on him and he reacts incredibly poorly. And so when he comes comes back into their lives as a way to try to just apologize, I understand Norma not wanting anything to do with him. I just, but I just felt for Caleb so much. And maybe it was upon this rewatching and kind of knowing how his story all ends up playing out. I there was times where I was like, no, Norma, please just listen to him. Like, I know, I know you owe him nothing. And he acknowledges it. And he acknowledges that. You know, he says a lot of times when tell, people tell him to leave that he understands and he's but he's heartbroken about it, but he gets it and he's not going to argue and he's not going to put up a fight and he'll go quietly and he'll just take up, take off and leave, even though he did that to Dylan. And that was super shitty because obviously Dylan and him were trying to starting to kind of build a bond mm-hmm. a bit. But at Norma's request, Caleb skips town. So I just I felt for him so much now. With the so he and Norma had more or less a consensual sexual relationship for a certain time period in their childhood, and then when she found out that it was wrong and told him to stop, was it because they make it sound like I, I got a little confused was it just the he raped her just the once, or did he rape her a couple of times after that before she she left? Because I don't want to excuse rape, but like a one time I can almost understand with this character, this specific character with this specific background. But if it continued on beyond just that one time, then no, obviously not. Mm-hmm. All sympathy gone. So did you get that kind of feeling with that? My impression was it was one time. That was my impression was it was it was one time and that was the end of their relationship. And like, that was it. That was when she just kind of left. I got the impression that she left after that. But I could be totally wrong. But that was my impression was it was just the one time was that he raped her just that one time. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and I don't know, Tiff, if you have any different thoughts on that. But Well... I, yeah, I have a different viewpoint of it because Norma is obviously younger than mm-hmm. Caleb. Um, I think there's probably at least a couple of years between the two of them. So I can't say that it would have been a consensual relationship between the two because Norma was very young when Dylan was born. Was she even, I don't think she was even 18. Um, yeah, she no. might have been just turned 18. So if we account for the fact that she was probably maybe 15 or 16 when this relationship started, you know, that means Caleb was 
17 or 18, um, she didn't have the capacity at that point in time to consent to anything. She might have said yes, but I mean, he was old enough to have the wherewithal to say, no, this is not even this is not even close to being correct. You know that you're not supposed to have these feelings for your sibling. This is not mm-hmm. something that's supposed to go down. Um, so even if they cleaned, there's one thing, you know, I've, I had, I know people, I know, I know kids that have had like really, really terrible childhoods, really, really poor relationships with their parents, parents who were verbally and emotionally abusive and, they cling to each other as siblings, though. They take care of each other as siblings. Mm-hmm. So the idea that these two cling together as lovers is not the way, you know, the, the normal, quote unquote, world works. Um, so his response to her saying, to her having this epiphany that we should not be doing this is to assault her in my mind, was a very calculated response to her saying, no, no more. I think he did it as a power move. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and it was to curtail her burgeoning independence. That's kind of how I see it. It was to to stamp down her independent viewpoint of what they were doing because mm-hmm. he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. He wanted to continue on and how instead of being a normal person and going out and finding a partner who was not related to him, he decides to know my sister is going to continue servicing me in a physical manner. Mm-hmm. And the product of this assault is obviously Dylan. And we see how it snowballed for Norma, that trauma from having abusive parents to an abusive brother and then rolling right into essentially an abusive marriage. At that point in time, we see how it continues to snowball, snowball, snowball. And she is just one big walking PTSD ad. So when he comes back into their lives, it's uh, I think it's an, it's a, it's an affront to Norma. It is one of those, it, it's an insult. It's adding insult to injury. The fact that you can just waltz back in to my life. And I felt incredibly badly for Norma at that point. I felt so badly for her because to have your rapist walk back into your life and expect, he expected to have a relationship with her at that point in time, not necessarily a physical one. That's not what I'm saying, but expected to have some type of relationship even if it was just a civil relationship with one another, polite, how do you do type of thing. He expected that, which is the the very audacity, the, the very audacity for him to think that. But I found it interesting that he thought that he thought Dylan wasn't his. That that was an interesting that was interesting to me. That he kind of insisted that Dylan wasn't his. Because I'm like, who else? Who else did you think he was? <laughs> you know the timeline, guy. You know, are you telling yeah. me you, you can't do basic math? So <laughs> you know what the timeline is. <laughs> yeah, he really believed that it was that high school sweetheart yeah. of hers or whatever that she ended up. And they even mentioned in in the series that 
I think Dylan kind of calls her out on it that he was her, he she's always used him since used Dylan since before he was born used her being pregnant with him as her ticket to get married to the high school sweetheart and and bounce. I like your take on on Caleb Tiff because I like I said I, this time around I just saw him in such a much more sympathetic light, but. You're right. The The fact that he even thinks to come back in the first place. Like I always just, like I said, kind of took it as he's just not, it's just not that smart. <laughs> no, but you're I, right about that. He's definitely not, he's definitely not the, the sharpest tool in the, right. in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. He definitely is not. But I think he has enough wherewithal to know that he would not be wanted. You know, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that, so he, he pushes himself on her like into her presence and she is she's and he should know she's fragile he should know i'm sorry i cut you off though oh that's all right but yeah i just because that just is a because yeah like i said i kind of viewed him more sympathetically i had more pity for him just not that smart and was just kind of like oh you poor dumb thing you're trying real hard i felt like he wanted to try and and make amends but again like he didn't need to, he should have known better to just stay away. But I think also because he didn't deep down, I think he knew, but for a while on the surface, he did not even want to hear that he raped Norma, that it Mm -hmm. was. And thank you for clarifying kind of my usage of consensual because it, there were kids, it, it couldn't have been consensual, but that more or less of, we don't have anyone else. And so we're just gonna do this. But yeah, I think I I saw him a bit more sympathetic this time. And I'm not entirely sure why that is, because I didn't feel this much pity for him the first time I watched this show. Hmm. But for some reason, and again, maybe because I know how it played out, but Caleb, I just felt very complicated towards. Well, do you think any of that has to do with uh, the performance, Kenny Johnson's performance? Because he he plays this character as, you know... this is a character that you've seen in before in movies and, you know, it's a, a character that, you know, like the, you know, the incestuous person, the, you know, the, you know, the sexual abuse, uh, that kind of stuff. You see this character a lot, but I think what's interesting about the performance and the way the character is written is he, uh, Kenny Johnson abused this character with so much uh, vulnerability and I think that plays into that not being smart kind of thing, but I, that's also this vulnerability and this like fragile wounded bird thing almost is what he's got going on. So I'm wondering if that's part of why, because I'm very conflicted on this character because I understood why Dylan wanted Caleb around. I understood that because Dylan is struggling with, okay, this is my father and this is the only parental figure that is showing me any kind of outright love right away. And that's what Caleb did. But I also thought it was really kind of wrong in a lot of ways. I think uh, Caleb should not have been there as long as he was. And I think Caleb, I think Caleb deep down knew this, but I think Caleb relies on that hurt little wounded bird thing a lot to kind of excuse what he does and excuse his manipulation. 
And you'll see him do these things like, like when Norma allows him in the house and they have that dinner, you know, they have the family dinner and he's like giving like a toast and he says toast to Norma Jean. And you see how uncomfortable that makes her. That actually makes her really uncomfortable, but he's playing it off as look, you're so beautiful. And I never should have hurt you the way I did. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't mean to, and I'm, I'm trying to come to terms with it and I'm hurt from this too. And so I think he kind of plays off of that. So I'm wondering if that's why kind of see that, because I think if it had been played a different way, I think it would have been very easy to be, to not feel conflicted and to be like, Mm -hmm. no, you're just a horrible evil guy who raped your sister. And that's just disgusting and evil. Absolutely. Cause his, Cause yeah, Kenny's performance, his portrayal of Caleb. Cause you, I don't know. I just felt a lot of, I felt the sadness that was Caleb, mm-hmm. the heartbreak and the tragedy that that was Caleb. Cause he experienced the same traumatic, shitty childhood. Clearly, there's anger and mental illness that runs deep within the Bates family, um, or whatever their maiden name is. But so I don't. Yeah, maybe cause I he. Caleb could have come across as far more sinister and evil, but there was some sliver of humanity that I kind of, I guess I picked up on that I kind of latched onto because maybe I really wanted to believe that Caleb was just as much of a victim as Norma to a point. Um, and that being a, being a product of, uh, rage and mental illness untreated. This is how it manifests. I don't know. I don't know. But now I'm just <laughs> Caleb. Caleb really perplexed me this season or this this time around. And even thinking about this conversation, <laughs> I've gone kind of mm-hmm. back and forth. And I don't like feel good about my feelings towards this character. <gasps> but again, that's what makes these characters so compelling and interesting. Is that you feel mm-hmm. that conflicted ickiness. But yeah, I think, and also I just kind of want to throw out too that I think the entire family, that whole family, Caleb, Norma, Norman, and even a little bit of Dylan, to certain varying degrees are all masterclass and manipulation. Yeah. So I think there is some some manipulation within Caleb's intent, whether conscious or subconscious, because I think that has been so ingrained in that family that they can't help it if they wanted to. But- I'm going to continue to think about (laughs) Caleb. I don't know why. Like I said, I don't feel good about it. I don't like it. (laughs) But there was just enough heartbreak Mm -hmm. there where I was like, oh, you poor dumb bird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's understandable, though, because that's one of the things I think is so the writing in this show is so amazing. And the way they create characters, because they don't create characters as one note. I mean, Every main and other character that is pretty main and central to the plot is written very three-dimensional. You can They're fully formed human beings. And they have those moments where you can, like, I mean, the fact that you can feel any kind of sympathy for Norman says a lot. Because Norman is a murderer. He's a serial killer. And he's not a good person deep down because of what he does but you can still feel that kind of empathy for him the fact that you can feel empathy for norma when she has such an unhealthy relationship with norman uh it says a lot so and it's not just and the performances are there too so i think with caleb that's what's so 
weird about Caleb because what he did is unforgivable. It really is unforgivable what he did to Norma. And you wouldn't have the Norma Norman relationship. I don't think if she hadn't had that relationship with Caleb, honestly. And I think Caleb using that vulnerability and using that, that manipulation, like you said, they, they all manipulate to some extent, but he uses it. He does this plays on that, on her softness and her motherly instincts to forgive him. And I do feel some empathy for him to an extent, but I don't think he is a good person. And I don't think he, I, I don't think he deserved her forgiveness necessarily. I think that wasn't his to try and manipulate out of her. And I think that's a lot of what he was doing is because he couldn't forgive himself and he couldn't accept it. I think that's a lot of why he wouldn't accept that Dylan was his son at first, because that means he'd have to accept that he raped her mm -hmm. and he didn't want to accept that. And I think that's a lot of why he did that. And so I think the reason he's trying to force that on Norma, the forgiveness, is if she can forgive me, then that means that I'm okay and I'm an okay person. And what I did wasn't that bad, yeah, but it's not yeah. his place because that's her own journey mm -hmm. and that's her own journey to forgiveness. And, and forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. And that's what I think sometimes people forget. And that's what he wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And the whole scene where he breaks down and hugs her and holds her, you can see that in there where it was like, okay, I'm going to break down. I'm you're allowing me to touch you, which was a big thing. I mean, the fact that she allowed him to touch her was amazing. And I'm not saying necessarily a good thing, but it was an amazing moment just because that took a lot for her to do that. And I think for him, he read it wrong and he read it as this means everything's going to be okay. And mm -hmm. you saw him start to show up more. And after they had the dinner, it was like, oh, okay, I'm part of this family again. And she's like, no, that's not really what was going to happen here. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting, really well-written character. I think the performance is really, really good. You know, that's why I think it's easy to be like, I can sympathize with you. I can feel bad for you. It kind of reminds me of, we're sitting here talking about it, it flashed into my head. There was an episode of the show ER where something happened and it was these, these siblings. And I don't remember, she might've even been pregnant or something happened. And you heard the, um, the son confess to like one of the nurses or something that they had lost their mother. I think it was their mother they had lost and they were in the throes of grief and they had sex and they slept together. And it's a very disturbing episode because it's like, wait, but it's set in this way where it reminds me of this, because it was mm -hmm. kind of like it happened out of this tragedy and it, and it wasn't something they had, it sounds horrible right. to say, but planned on. And so it kind of reminded me of that. And I think that's the way Caleb always viewed it was, it was yeah. like, this is what happened. This is just what naturally would happen because we had no other choice. And I do agree. I think he was still in love with her. I don't think that ever went away. Not a healthy love, but I think he was still in love with her for sure. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I thought of, I I was thinking of like flowers in the attic. Yeah, a that attic too. with that's those true. two. Mm -hmm. Um, but I uh, just real quick, I really appreciate this more in depth on Caleb on <laughs> kind of like this side ish character because uh, again I was just 
I was confused as to why I was like, why am I coming to these conclusions? So thank you, ladies, for talking it out with thank me. You. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, it's because this show is so well written that you can have yeah. conversations like this, I think. Because he could have been easily written two-dimensional. So yeah. Let's move on to some of the side characters, although they're really, really essential to the plot. But I want to talk about Emma. First, because Emma, of course, starts out as you think this is going to be a romantic interest for Norman. And then, of course, she becomes Dylan's wife and mother to his child and everything. So what are your thoughts on Emma? I love Emma to pieces. And, you know, I said that, you know, Dylan is one of the, you know, thoroughly good people. She is 100 percent through and through a good person. I think she is a very old soul. I think Emma is an old soul. She always seems to know what to say. She has a great insight on life because of her, um, I can't even think of what she has, but. Cystic fight. Isn't it cystic? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so she has a very, she has a different take on life than a lot of these other characters. And she kind of knows to appreciate and see some of the nicer things in life. I was always a little concerned for her because of how she latched onto this insane family so quickly. (laughs) Um, But you could tell that Norma and Norman, they truly, 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 truly care for Emma. Um, There is an unfortunate moment where at some point Emma's like, I'm tired of being just kind of on the outskirts of this family. I love this family. I want to be a part of it. You're not letting me in. So I'm going to quit the motel. And Norman was going through some shit. So Norma couldn't really have, didn't really have the capacity to deal with Emma at that time. So she just was like, well, we're, I'm sorry, we're good to see you leave. I don't think Norma really wanted, ever wanted Emma to leave. I think Norma cared and loved for Emma deeply, but no one will ever get between her and Norman. And since at that moment that Emma came to her, Norma was dealing with a a Norma Norman thing. She was just like, all right, bye. It's great having you. But she, I think would have been really lost. And I like that Emma, you know, with her mom issues, she only saw the good in Norma, I think at first, initially, at least. And she saw what a caring, doting mother she could be and not having that always wanted that. I liked Emma's relationship with Norman because there was that, uh, as Tiff said, kind of that brother-sister, that that kind of closeness where I felt like they could really be themselves with each other. And for once, maybe in Norman's life, for that short period of time in those first two seasons, he really got to truly care about someone that his mom kind of, you know, more or less approved of caring for, even in a friend capacity, and had someone that he could fully trust and and be with and not be judged and i think emma is like i said old soul very intelligent and the fact that she ended up with dylan just makes my heart sore (laughs) because if anything bad had happened to either of those characters i would have flipped tables (laughs) like just in a rage like i was bad norma just throwing shit around the kitchen So I'm glad because they both deserve happiness. They both deserve love. And I think that also shows that no matter where we come from, no matter what trauma we have endured, there is that potential of uh, a happy ending, a happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And I, 
And I think that's great. And I'm glad that they both got that and were able to stay together at the end. Cause you were kind of, there's kind of some moments in season five where you weren't sure if they were going to make it. And I'm so glad that they did. I'm so glad. <laughs> the one good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and Tiff, your thoughts on Emma? I really like Emma. I think she's, um, I think she's exceptionally brave. Uh, I think she does not take, she doesn't take number one. She doesn't take Norman's ish. She doesn't take Norma's ish. And she is very, very kind and understanding of Dylan's own trauma. And that came out of left field for me. Like I didn't see that coming at all. I did not see that coming. No way, no how. And then, you know, you, you flash forward and it's like, wait a minute, they're married? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and they have a baby. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I love the fact that, that they found that slice of, of happiness and she understood him and he understood her. I think that character, she had... Um, she had re- not resigned herself to um, to any type of, of young death. I think she was a fighter. Um, she had learned how to work around her, her CF, her cystic fibrosis. And then when she got, and then when Dylan went above and beyond and got her those lungs, she had a literal new lease on life. And she promised herself to live life to the fullest at that point. I think the character is exceptional and and she's not in any way in any other in any other person's hands it could have been a very ordinary character but I think uh, and the actor's name slips my mind but I think she makes her extraordinary mm-hmm. and I mean there is hey you know there's got to be a little bit of um a little bit of uh, because she does want to be a part of the Bates family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we know there's there's something going there's on. Something but like, there, yeah. yeah, there's something there. But I mean, we know that's that's her own mommy issues. Mm-hmm. We know that, you know, from being abandoned, we understand that. And like Jen said, she sees Norma as this uh, very involved mother. And she latches onto that for lack of anybody else. It's a small town. Um, who else is she, you know, she's friends with Norman. Who else is she going to latch on to? She's going to latch on to the person that she's around the most and that happened to be Norman. Yeah. Yeah, she's, and, you know, and Olivia Cook is the is the actress. Yeah, and she's actually, she's, I think she's either Australian or English. I can't remember, but I know she's not I, Indian. I think she's English. And I only okay. learned that because watching the bonus stuff on the DVDs. Oh, yeah. And doing the interviews, I was like, what? <laughs> and then... I think she's been cast in the um, Game of Thrones prequel. She's oh. been recently casted in something that might not be correct, but yeah. Anyways. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, Cause she mainly plays like Americans. So yeah. So that's usually what you'll see her playing, but yeah, Emma is so uh, she's so strong and brave and loving. And, you know, you could see with a character like this, that she could have easily been like, uh, succumb to anger about the fact that she might not be alive for very long, but you know, she has a disease that is killing her. Really. She can't necessarily live the normal life, but she tries her hardest and she fights against anyone who wants to baby her or coddle her. She doesn't like that. 
Um, she wants to be perceived as as normal as possible and as capable as possible. And she's just, she's a great friend. She's an amazing friend. It is of course concerning that she does latch onto this very dysfunctional family. But I do think, you know, a main theme throughout this show is abandonment. And she's dealing with her own thing with her mother abandoning her and also dealing with her own stuff of being born with this illness that in a way is what in her mind, which is it's not an excuse at all, but this is what pushed her mother away was her mom couldn't really deal with this. So there's that own self stuff that she probably has on that's own self doubt. And you do see in the first season, especially when she's really got a crush on Norman. I mean, she really does in the first season and you see, she's got a little bit of that jealousy and that in of Bailey a bit. That's where she really, that's where you really see it. And so you can see that she does have some self-esteem issues, but at the same time, she's so incredibly strong and amazing and brave and bright. And she's funny and she's sweet and she's just got a beautiful soul and a beautiful heart. And while I'm just like Tiff, I did not see Emma and Dylan coming. That was like out of left field. It made perfect sense, though, once it happened. It was amazing how it was like, oh, this actually makes perfect sense these two would get together because they're the sweetest, kindest, most, you know, the the ones that have the most potential to live a a healthy life and want a healthy life out of all of the characters. So it makes sense that they would find each other. And they had good chemistry. And I liked how natural it was. Um, I liked how it just kind of happened and it, I think it just really, I think when it started happening was when she stayed after Norma had left, when Norma had that time and she left and Emma came and helped Dylan take care of Norman. And I think that's when you started seeing it kind of sprout and Dylan wasn't afraid to help her when she had to clear her lungs. But, and yeah, when he's pounding oh, her chest, oh, those two are and, so and he was afraid of hurting her, but he wasn't afraid of seeing her like that. He never... Mm-hmm judged her and she never judged him. She never was like, I'm going to run because Dylan's father is his uncle. I'm, you know, and she never did that. She loved him unconditionally. And I, and I think it was great when in season five, when Caleb comes to Seattle and you knew Caleb was going to move there and she knew Dylan was never going to be able to say, get out of my life because it just wasn't in Dylan to do that. And the fact that she had that conversation with Caleb and acknowledge that Caleb helped her get her lungs, but say, you know, this is not okay. You can't stay here because I don't want to put my daughter in this unhealthy situation. And I know Dylan doesn't want his daughter in this unhealthy situation in the long run. And so I think that was really good. I'm glad that Caleb didn't stay in their life. I think that was really good. And I'm glad that she did that. And it just shows how brave and strong and honest she is and real she is. And I think it was really hard for her to have Dylan keep something from her when he kept the earring from her mom and all that stuff. But I, you understood why, but it was still, you know, still one of those moments where you went, okay, is this going to break them up? Is this going to be the thing where she kind of leaves? And the fact that, you know, she was like, how can you sit there and support your brother? Your brother killed my mom. But the fact that they did end up together and the little coda at the end, which we're going to talk about the ending in a little bit here, uh, was really nice to see you know, them living a happy life because they deserved it out of all the characters. They really did deserve it and they deserved each other. And it was really nice to see that in a show that's so dark and where so many people have tragic endings, 
that they don't have that is really nice to see. And I love the fact that she got to have a daughter and she got to have this normal life, which she was something that was seemed so out of reach for her. And I always thought she was going to die. I was pretty convinced that was going to happen. I was convinced Dylan was going to be murdered though, too. So it was nice to have those surprises in there. But yeah, she's she's a nice character. And my sister's name is Emma. So I always like seeing characters named Emma. So yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about Alex, the sheriff, and uh, Norma's husband for a brief period of time. So what are your thoughts on Alex, Jen? Oh, fucking Alex. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this guy. This fucking guy. So. <laughs> okay. So. Ugh. All right. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting I love there. the way this is starting. It's, it's <laughs> again, a, a cast of complicated characters, right? Like especially, okay. So in the first couple of seasons with Alex, he's this very cold standoffish uh, sheriff, mm. but yet he's somehow because he's, because he's a dirty cop. Cause he's a, a dirty, you know, he lets yeah. the, the marijuana business, <laughs> Uh, go on because it benefits the town. It benefits him. So, but he cares and he cares a lot. And again, his caring is so misguided. Like I think a lot of our characters in this show, he cares so much about the town that he's willing to let a few things go uh, unnoticed. The shit that was going on at the motel before Norma and Norman bought it just the drug game and everything and covering up what all happens at the house in season one. And it's just covering up fucking everything. <laughs> and it's cause he cares about, he cares about his own ass, but he also, I truly think he cares about the town at some point though. He starts to care about Norma. And when I first watched this series, I hated Normero. I did not like those two together at all. Yep, I know I said it. Um, <laughs> I love that. Um, I, I, I didn't hate them as much this time around. And kind of, I guess, looking at it a bit more critically, it was, I, I could see that Alex did care for Norma, wanted to kind of maybe be that stable, quote, normal thing in her life. He wanted to get Norman help. I, I think I don't think he was necessarily all that selfish in that. He wanted Norman to get better so that I think Norma could then be happy and rest a little easier knowing that mm -hmm. her son is getting the help that he needs. So but he does so many bad things and he's a cop and he does these bad things. <laughs> but so I when I was watching Alex this time around, I kind of came to this conclusion that all these characters, they care so deeply and to a fault. They don't know they're, they're all kind of damaged in their way and they don't know how to do things healthily. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think Alex is just another example of that. Him. I also kind of thought that after he and Norma got married, cause it was Norma's idea to get married for the insurance and everything. But Somewhere along that line, everything kind of shifted where he he started to allow himself to show that he cared about this person. But I also felt that he used that fake marriage to manipulate Norma into being a more real relationship because, you know, they had to he had to move in to keep mm -hmm. up the appearance and they should go to these town functions to keep up the appearance. So I kind of that 
that mm. I don't know. I picked up on that and I didn't really like that, but Norma seemed so happy and she was able to go it like she didn't do it like begrudgingly or anything like that. A little bit because she's it was so outside of what her comfort zone is and what her her world, her bubble was. But once she stepped out and she had the pretty little umbrella with the little Christmas lights yeah. in it, which were super cute, and she looked adorable, it's she kind of saw what life she could have. And she realized, I think, too, that along the way, uh, Alex has done all this stuff to help her save her butt. I mean, she's been running to him since literally like day one. So their their relationship, it took me a while to get there to appreciate Normero. But because Alex, again, back and forth, but overall, he's a badass. I don't agree with it all, everything he says and does and how he does it. But uh, Nestor um, uh, Carbonell, I, yeah. I don't know if I said mm-hmm. yeah. he is very handsome. And mm-hmm. I'll, that's, so that's, <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, he is very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't know. Alex is just kind of hey, he's huh. yeah, he's Alex. <laughs> interesting. No, that was that was very interesting. And, and um <laughs> <Jim. Thanks. laughs> Nestor Carmanel and his daggone eyelashes. Those oh, I eyelashes. Know. Skyliner. <laughs> he does his eyelashes, and it looks like he is wearing eyeliner like all the time, yeah. which is ridiculous, dude. It's like really, really come on, guy, your eyes. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, like you said, he he is this uh he's quick cop. It's like it's very cliche. Small town cop is running, is essentially running all of the uh all of the, the underground business and the, the underground world, and he's getting a cut. And he thinks he's helping the town and that's why he does it. So, I mean, total cliche, right? But I think he is, he does actually believe that. He does actually believe that he is uplifting the town by letting this stuff slide. His relationship with, um, I'll go into his relationship with Norman first. It is so contentious. And it is so, like I I think I mentioned earlier, I feel like Norman believes that he is a rival for his mother's affection. And this is why it is so contentious. I think Romero really wants to be his friend. I think um, Alex understands that he does need help and he does want to do this kind of almost gently. He's trying to nudge him into accepting that, hey, it's not such a bad thing if you go stay at this hospital, you know, this rehab facility that is very nice. Like this is, that is an extremely nice rehab facility. Okay. A mental health facility. Yeah. Uh, It's not like a mental health hospital. Okay. It's like a dream. (laughs) (laughs) It really is, you know, like uh, gourmet food and and fresh air and beautiful uh, surroundings and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. He's willing to, and he's willing to put himself on the line and, and essentially commit insurance fraud to do this. Uh, so you know there is some, there is some care on his part for Norma, and that you know, <laughs> their their wedding, air quotes, you know, when they stand in front of the JOP <laughs> and 
they look so miserable when they're standing. They're both Norma's wearing black. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> she's wearing black, and she just looks so miserable. And he's just and he's just standing there. He's so stoic and has like you know like blank face, and it's like, okay, this is gonna be a disaster. This is gonna absolutely be a disaster. But when you try and snuggle real quick and just exactly. yeah, uncomfortable, so stiff, yeah. she's just like, so stiff. She's so like, stiff. this is so weird. She's yeah, it's like, weird. Kind of keeping him at arm's length, you yeah. know. That's sort of thing but then he moves in and then they kind of start to get along and to and to really really care about each other and at that point in time i think the flip the, the switch kind of flips and norma sees him as okay this this incredibly handsome man i'm attracted to him he treats my kid like gold he treats me like gold why am i not feeling like this is the way to go. And I think that's when you see her really kind of lean into it, you know, like you said, you know, doing all of the little town uh, gatherings and going out to dinner and, and she's, you know, she's dressing up and he's looking at her tenderly and she's looking at him tenderly. And for a while, it's good. And for a little while, it's good. You know, Norman is getting the help that he needs they're forging and cultivating a nice relationship with each other. They feel they're sexy and they're and they're they're having fun together. And then of course it all falls apart. Yeah, <laughs> because if because it's a bad motel, it's all gonna fall apart. Right? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think you know he is he's one of the uh, and Nestor does an absolutely great job with that character. Once again, kudos to the writer's room and, and kudos to the cast and the producers who cast him because man, freaking guy liner. Right? <laughs> I'm always envious. I'm like, seriously? Oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love Alex. <laughs> I think I mean I think Alex has a lot of bad sides to him and he's he is, you know, a, a crooked cop and he's a bad he does some really awful things uh but i just i loved him as the series when when the series first started i wasn't a big fan of his i didn't like his character very much i saw him as like you know the antagonist and i thought that's the way it was going to go but as he grew and as you saw more of him and as you developed the friendship first with norma i liked that and then i loved them together i i shipped them big time i was such a fan and actually the tweet that came up in my memories was about Alex and it was about uh, Tiff and I were tweeting about how we were worried that he was going to be murdered in season four and how we were just so afraid of that. And we're like, Oh, now that Norman's back, he's going to be murdered. We're not going to have any more sexy times. With <laughs> Norman, Alex. And that was our worry. And I mean, he does end up, of course, you know, responding everything. So he does end up being murdered, which that was a very hard scene to watch. I thought that was very sad, but I loved their relationship together because he respected her so much. And the scene where she tells him what happened with her and how her brother raped her and that whole thing. And when she says at the end, you know, and it makes me cry, actually, it's a scene that makes me cry. And she says, okay, so now you can go pack your things. You can leave. And he's like, okay, where are we going? And it was just so, it was like no one had ever said something like that to her before. 
And it was so beautiful and lovely and amazing. And it was just like, oh, I just love these two. Damn it, Norman. Why are you coming home? It was just because I knew that was going to end up ruining it. (laughs) Because she's always going to choose Norman. And Norman has this, you know, horrible relationship with her. This very sick and disgusting codependent crap going on. And it was that jealousy of like, you're taking my woman instead of you're taking my mom. And that whole scene when they have dinner together and then they're going out and he's got Norman's got the ax in his hand. And I was, I was just like, Oh my gosh, he's going to kill him with the ax. Yes. That's a very tense moment. Yeah. That very was tense so fucking tense. moment. And instead he attacks the door, but that was, yeah. Yeah. And then watching Alex in season five and how he was just consumed with grief and that grief became just revenge. And that's all he could think about was avenging her death. And then I think the reason he ends Norman gets the best of him is because when he sees Norma and he sees her body, it's like all of a sudden that anger kind of goes away and just that grief comes out and he is crying and he's so vulnerable that of course he's going to get the best of him at that point. And that was very, that was a very brutal murder too. That was a very mm-hmm. brutal death. Cause he, not only did he bash his head in basically bash his face and then he shot him on top of it. So it was like, just really, it was just, I think it was probably the most brutal murder in the show, I would say. I think Mr. Loomis was kind of up there too, but they had to make that one because they have to do the shower scene, which I didn't put this on the outline. I'm just saying this really quickly. I think it was very interesting that they did that um, in Bates Motel, that they switched that around where you didn't have who you thought was mm-hmm. going to be murdered and you have Mr. Loomis being murdered in the shower. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting way to do it. Um, But yeah, I just, I liked Alex. I loved them together. I wish there would have been a way that that would have worked out, but you knew it wasn't going to because (laughs) Norman, there was just no way that relationship was going to last. But the whole part where they go to that carnival thing or the festival thing or whatever with with the umbrella is so sweet and romantic and they have really good chemistry and they're hot together. They're very sexy together. And yeah, and he's gorgeous. He's absolutely, he's just gorgeous. And yeah, those, those eyelashes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we don't kill for that. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. But I do like, I do like that Dylan accepts their relationship really easily. There's never like a thing of like mm-hmm. where he, I think he wants that for his mom and yes. he's actually excited for that. So yeah. 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 Okay. And the last character I wanted to mention just because I think he's kind of an important one is Chick, especially in the final season, because Chick is kind of this whole, he's a character. He's just a character. (laughs) He's just an odd, odd guy. So what are your thoughts on Chick, Jen? He's yeah. An odd, yeah. Odd duck (laughs) and very kind of fascinating and almost in a way like, maybe representative of like the audience kind of watching, but a little bit more hands-on since, you know, he's there and everything, especially after everything goes sideways with uh, him sending Caleb and uh, Dylan out on that gun run or whatever. Cause he comes back and he's, cause initially you're kind of think like, Oh, who's this guy? He seems kind of scary, maybe a bad dude. um, Some kind of major threat. But then when he comes back after all of that, he's initially he's he's gonna try and get dirt on um to try and get his revenge on on dylan and or caleb really Mm -hmm. by going to norma and he finds out the 
the the secret, the family secret, the relationship between her and and Caleb. And he's going to try and like use that against her and blackmail her. And she <laughs> flips her shit and she goes classic crazy Norma <laughs> on him. And he chooses mm-hmm. not to. And instead he wants to be more of a help. And so after Norma dies, he's there for Norman bringing food and all of this. So I just thought his character was really interesting, but he's also kind of taking all these mental notes and like physical notes and, and recording notes. And he's typing mm-hmm. the book. He's writing the book. I'm so sad. He didn't get to finish it, but <laughs> Alex just, came along. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause nothing to lose. Alex is fucking scary. Cause seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he had shit to lose, he was kind of scary. So, but Chick was just kind of interesting. I didn't really fully understand the purpose of this character other than to kind of see the rest of the cast in a maybe slightly different light. But I mean, I enjoyed him, especially towards the Mm -hmm. end and everything and um, less of a threat to the family and more of just a, a silent observer weird yeah. and then he's typing his book in the freezer and everything and i'm just like dude what the fuck yeah <laughs> so chick's interesting i don't know i i don't love him i don't hate him but you know he's there he's there yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah tiff what are your thoughts on chick um <laughs> chick, <laughs> chick is one of those those characters where i'm like i'm like jen what why are you here? What, <laughs> what is your purpose? Why are they centering episodes around you? This is, I don't really understand. Um, I do have to say that uh, one thing I like is the actor who plays Chick, who is Ryan Hurst, um, who played Opie on Sons of Anarchy. Uh, and that is what that is one of the heart. If anybody's ever watched Sons of Anarchy, his death in or his murder in Sons of Anarchy is one of the toughest I've ever seen because Opie was a beloved character on Sons of Anarchy and the the way he's murdered is just like, oh man, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking when that happens. Um, so yeah, I don't have a major, I don't have like a major, any major revelations about Chick. He's just, I mean, they call him an anti-hero for season five, but I mean, is he really an anti-hero? Because he's just kind of there. He's just, <laughs> he's just kind of there. He's just one of those guys that looks like uh, he looks like a you know doomsday prepper. Uh, <laughs> he does. <laughs> he really does. Yep. That's I mean that's kind of like how he looks to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I can't really say I have any feelings about him one way or the other. Yeah, it's inter- you know, I think you could almost think of him as, I, I think the audience insert is interesting, but you could also think of him as a writer's insert. And not just because he's writing, but he's like observing, he observes the whole time. That's his role is to observe the story and sometimes throw a wrench into things. And when he was first introduced, I was worried he was going to kill Dylan because <laughs> I'm always worried about Dylan. <laughs> so it's like, he's going to kill Dylan. This is who's going to kill Dylan. Uh, so I was worried about that. I think Chick is like one of those guys who probably actually hates his life, but he doesn't admit it. So he likes to act like he's above everybody else. He's kind of observing every observing everything and 
he's like, oh, I'm above this. I'm better than all of you. And I don't think he actually gives a crap about Norman. I don't think he cares at all about Norman. I don't think he cares about helping Norman. I think what he sees is this opportunity to make money. So he's like, I'm going to manipulate this situation and I'm going to help Norman because I have no scruples anyway. And I'm going to help him. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to observe that he is obviously mentally ill. He's obviously dangerous, but I'm going to manipulate the situation because it'll make me money in the end. And I think that's his whole thinking and his whole process is once again, he's a manipulator as well. And the way he rubs um, with Norma, the way he rubs in her face, the fact that her brother raped her is really disgusting and gross and icky because it just, oh, it just, I didn't like that. But I'm glad he didn't spread that around the town because I thought that was what was going to happen. And I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, I just thought, you know, I just thought it was interesting that he became more of a central character in season five and it was mainly just because he wanted to write this story. He's like, oh, I've landed upon this great story and it ends up being his demise because if he had said anything, done anything, you know, when Caleb was there and Caleb was being held down in the basement, I mean, if he had done anything about that, you know, he wouldn't have died probably. (laughs) have been murdered and his death is just so interesting because it's just such this he really i didn't i even forgot for a brief second that it happened that way and when i was re-watching it i jumped because it <laughs> is this so like he has this sudden thing of just boom one shot to the head dead yeah it's just like alex is like whatever and just boom and like, stop talking chick <laughs> yeah <laughs> and alex is so gone that it's just kind of like oh wow i can't believe that just happened yeah, so he's just he's he's interesting, but yeah, he's the the performance is really good. Once again, mm-hmm. performances are just incredible. Okay, well, I just want to talk about a couple of things before we wrap up, but I want to talk about Norma's death because Norma dies towards the end of season four in an attempted murder suicide with Norman when he does the vent, you know, tries to kill him that way, and she dies. So we all kind of knew this was going to happen. I would assume we all knew because we all know the story of Psycho. So we all kind of. I think we're prepared for the fact that at some point Norma was probably going to die. So what did you think of the way they did the death and how that was handled, Jen? Initially, because, yeah, you always knew Norma was going to die. And so watching it live as it was airing, you're just like, oh, God, is it this episode? Is it this episode? Is it this season? Um, So when it happened, it wasn't how I had expected. But upon the and, and not that that was a bad thing or anything, but after thinking about it, especially after this rewatch, I really like it. And it's very sad and kind of heartbreaking because she's just broken up with Romero in her eyes, in her mind. I think in Romero's eyes, they had a fight. And, but in her, in her perspective is that she has broken up with them. She's lost someone that she did actually love and care for. Um, I don't remember if she actually said she loved him to, to, to Alex. Because I, I know he said it remember. to her he did, yeah. and she didn't get like super uncomfortable looking. Like she looked like she loved hearing that she wanted mm-hmm. to continue to hear it, but she wasn't ready to say it back anyways. So I think, so after all of that, she's heartbroken. And then Norman comes in and kind of is trying to make her feel better. And they talk about running away and getting those tickets to, to Hawaii and starting over and, she goes and she just goes to bed and it's so peaceful. And I think that 
for Norma was so much violence and trauma and tragedy in her life that for her demise to be peaceful and with maybe a small peace of mind that if anything, if nothing else, she's got Norman and they'll be together. And that's all she may think she ever needs. So I thought it was heartbreaking, but I was glad that Norma's death wasn't violent because the Norma mm-hmm. character had seen enough violence and we didn't necessarily need to see something. So any kind of ultra violence enacted out on Norma. We got that in the first fucking episode, which I had forgotten about when I was rewatching it. And I was like, Ugh, Keith. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was. Uh, and I was like, shit. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it was just kind of nice that Norma got a little, got some peace, I guess, at the end. Sucks that. But I I never pictured that's how Norman would have taken her out because they get so fiery at each other. You Mm -hmm. know, they would they both have anger issues and, you know, repressed feelings and everything that I I always thought it was going to be like a violent like um, moment of passion, crime of passion or something like that, where kind of like with Norman with Alex and the axe. Yeah. With no self-control. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy she died peacefully. (laughs) (laughs) And Tiff, your thoughts? I definitely was surprised by that, that ending for her, uh, for her demise. Um, Like Jen said, I thought he was going to stab her. Uh, I thought it would would be blood and it would be viscera and it would be a very, because if you notice the way the, um, the cinematography the way that the, the DP shoots that uh, or shot that series, it was always very muted colors. It, there was mm-hmm. nothing bright. So mm-hmm. my thought process was, okay, this is going to be extremely violent. They're going to do these splashes of red all over the place because it's going to symbolize the uh, the, the taking of life and the, the you know this extreme um, this extreme uh, dichotomy between. The, the living and the dead and, and all this sort of things like that. And then that didn't happen. She just you know, went to sleep. And, and that was that. But I found it interesting that the violence toward her body, because to me, you know, mm-hmm. the desecration of a body, which is what he did. I mean, to just take her out into the woods, that sort of thing. I thought that was very violent. I thought it was very disrespectful. You know, you love your mother so much, you give her a proper burial. You give her a proper burial. You don't take her out into the woods and she can just have her like in the elements and she's frozen. And that's, that's just not right. That's just not right. So I think he enacted, ultimately he enacted violence against her corpse then as opposed to the violence against her, her when she was, you know, when, when they did what they did. So interesting, interesting end for Norma. And although, you know, obviously Vera was still doing her fantastic portrayal with the mm-hmm. you know with his dissociative identity disorder and that was that was great that because I didn't think that was gonna happen I thought that it didn't either yeah I didn't think that was gonna happen I thought we would see Norman in pretty much her you know dressed up as her uh so Norman in drag I thought that's what would happen most of the time and then we get more Vera and I was like mm-hmm. ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was worried we weren't going to get her after she died. I was like, oh, we're not going to have her anymore. And that really made me sad. So I was happy we got her. 
um, in season five and everything. Yeah, I, I too was expecting it to be a violent murder. I didn't expect it to be an attempted murder suicide. That really kind of surprised me. That threw me. And I was really, I loved the way they did it and the way they shot it when they, when you would see like every vent close while he was going through the house and closing all the vents and how methodical it was and how it was almost like peaceful the way he did it in this weird way. It was like, okay, this is just what we have to do. This is just what we have to do because we're never going to be able to be together in the world. The world's against us. It's us versus the world. And so let's just go off to sleep together and be together forever. And so I thought that was really interesting. It was really sad. I thought it was really, really sad. I do like that it wasn't a violent murder, but I do think it was really sad and hard to watch. And the music choices were really interesting. And I just thought it was really well done, well filmed, well performed. And there is that said that there was that part of me when Alex went in there and he got them both out of the room that I was like, just let Norman die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because that was just kind of my thought. And I thought it was interesting that until later on in season five, no one really thought to investigate Norman. It was all Norma and Norma definitely did this except for Alex, of course. But the fact that even though people knew Norman had just gotten out of the hospital, even though there were, I mean, it just was interesting to me that no one thought to look at him, but I think that's because Norman knows how to manipulate things and do things. But yeah, the desecration of her corpse and not just when he leaves her out in the woods, but when he takes her body first off and that scene where she's lying there on the couch and he's like, just say something, just wake up and say something because he can't He, you know, he thinks he, she's definitely alive and she's faking this. And then when he takes her eyelids and he has the super glue and he glues them open. Oh my uh, gosh. That was yeah. so disturbing. Was like, even in, even in her death. He's yeah. Oh, it was, mm-hmm. oh, that was so disturbing. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, there's always this part of me that wonders, you know, what Norma would have thought of Norman knowing what he was going to do to her because it's an interesting thing because I Norma Norma's love for Norman seems to know no limits and seems to know there's like nothing that can stop her from loving him. So I always wondered, it's a question you can never have answered, but what she would have thought of her son doing this, murdering her, killing her. And then the way he used her corpse and then killing people thinking he's her. I mean, it's just an interesting thing to think about because I don't know if she would have still loved him or if she would have been afraid of him or if she would have been understanding or I don't know, because I always wonder that, like, what Mm -hmm. would she have thought of the fact that her son murdered her and desecrated her corpse in the way he did and all that stuff and how she would have thought of that and didn't tell her other son that she was dead and didn't, you know, that kind of stuff and went on believing she was alive and lived this whole other world where, you know, she's cooking for him all the time and stays in the house. And then now he's controlling her and he's manipulating her in this fantasy world and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It's just a, it's just a question that popped popped in my head, especially with rewatching it was, Hmm, what would she think of her son now knowing what he was doing to her? Would she have been like, if she would have been able to know the future, would she have been like, okay, I'm keeping him in this place 
I'm not having him back in my home with me. You know, it's an interesting, I don't know, because she loves him so much that it's hard to think that even this would make her pull away from him, mm -hmm. honestly. So, yeah, um, no, that's interesting. I wonder. Because I think yeah. we kind of want to automatically say, oh, she'd find a way to excuse it because she found ways to excuse everything. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. After I think maybe having a taste of what happiness could be and what getting Norman help could be like and how beneficial that could be, maybe that would have been. But like you said, it's we'll never get an answer. No, that's a, just that's a good answer. question, though. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I just kind of wondered that. Yeah, yeah. Because huh. I mean... In the end, and we're going to segue over to that because, yeah, I just want to wrap up talking about the way the mm -hmm. show ends. Because in the end, you do have Norman is is killed by Dylan. Self-defense. He doesn't want to do it. And Dylan kills Norman. And you see Norman be reunited with Norma. And you see him flash between being his regular self to a little boy. So I want to talk about the ending. Do you, do you like the show's ending? Have wrapped everything up, Jen? I did. I did. I like that Norman died. I mean, I, I feel, you know, <laughs> maybe Dylan had to be the one, but really who else really could it have mm -hmm. been? You know, yeah, it could have been Romero, but I think there's, again, with all the tragedy <laughs> of the show, the last really tragic thing would have to be brother on brother mm -hmm. um, demise. Dylan didn't want to do it. Um, uh, Norman couldn't do it himself he had to have some he oh god because that whole scene too after romero and then after the bad norma personality disappears norman completely fucking breaks i mean season five is amazing it might be my favorite season because we don't have norma we don't have regular norma yeah we just get this personification of who Norman thinks Norma is. And also with that uh, dissociative identity disorder, we have possibly that protector um, personality type to an extreme. The whole ending is just so amazing and tragic, like I said, mm -hmm. but very fitting, I think, for the show. I just, yeah, I just really liked it. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it at first because, you know, in the movie, Norman just gets caught and then there's a whole slew of sequels. <laughs> so I liked that they took that other turn with it and they're like, nope, this is this is going to be it for for Norman Bates. So very, very interesting. Yeah, it was satisfactory for a yeah. series, for a series finale and everything, too. Very good. Very well done. I approve. I can sometimes be very picky about a series finale, <laughs> but this one, this one holds up. This one stands up. I liked it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Tiff. I like the fact that it gave us finality. You mm -hmm. have, um, like Jim said, the brother on brother ending, you have, you know, it's fratricide and it's justified. And I do feel like I mean Dylan's gonna need a ton of therapy. <laughs> a ton of therapy. But it's interesting because Dylan is the one, honestly, that avenges Norma. You know, after all of this, you know, after all of this very contentious relationship or lack of relationship between the two of them, he's the one that avenges her her, her death. And um, and he gets his happily ever after. And to a weird extent, so does Norman. And 
maybe his brother had to release him from life in order to give him that. Uh, I think it's an interesting take by the writers. I was very satisfied with the ending. It was a perfect way to wrap things up. Sometimes you feel like things are too abrupt. I felt like this five seasons was the perfect amount of story arc and um, an ending that they could have given us. I feel like it ended right when it was supposed to. It ended right at the perfect moment. Um, so I was extremely, extremely happy with the way it ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with everything everyone said. I think it was a really good ending. And it's it was interesting watching, you know, as Norman dies. And then when he says to Dylan, thank you, when he thanks Dylan, because that's really, I think, why Norman was doing that. I don't think Norman actually, in a way, wanted to kill Dylan. I think he wanted Dylan to kill him. And he couldn't, like you said, Jen, he couldn't do it himself. Because you see uh, there is a scene where he does uh, early on in the season where he's like, takes a gun and he's going to like shoot himself and he doesn't do it. So I think there was a part of Norman that just couldn't kill himself and he wanted to die. And he knew, I think he had gotten to the point where he knew and he really didn't know his mom was dead and he knew um, that he, she was a hallucination to him and she was this manifestation and that wasn't real. And I think he couldn't deal with that and he couldn't cope with that. And he just wanted, but he wanted to be with her. And so he thought the only way he could be with her and be free and be okay was to die. And so he was like, I'm going to make sure that someone murders me. And I don't, and I think it was, even though I hated that Dylan had to do it, I think it was good that Dylan was the one that did it instead of Romero. I think, I don't, I think it would have been too expected to have Romero do it. And I think it was this ultimate healing in a way, (laughs) even though, like you said, Tiff, Dylan needs lots of therapy and he deserves to have that (laughs) therapy. He deserves that. But I still think it was this healing thing. And of course it was, like you said, avenging his mom's death. Um, And I love that Dylan survived. Like I've already said it a couple of times, but I really love that Dylan survived because I really honestly did not believe Dylan was going to survive. And so the fact that he did and the fact that you see him in a few years later and he's happy and he's still with Emma and their daughter and he's living a good life was lovely and wonderful. And even though Norma and Norman had the most uh, toxic relationship in the world, I did think watching them get reunited in the woods like that and seeing Norman turn into a little boy was really interesting and really well done and made sense for the character and made sense for the show. And I'm glad that he died. I am. I'm glad it ended that way and that it wasn't like anything where it left it open for any like revivals or anything like that, because I think they wrapped it up perfectly. I don't think there was anything else they could have done better in it. And I think I do agree, Jen. I think the last season is really, really good. I think this show, what it did really well was it progressed and got better and better each season. And that doesn't always happen, especially in the final seasons. And it's very hard to make a satisfying finale to a show. And I think they did that. I think they really did that. So, yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. And I think even the way he was killed was well done because you didn't see as much. There was violence there, but you didn't see as much. Um, and it was very hard watching some of those scenes when Dylan sees his mom ooh, at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his mom's body. That was that was hard to watch. And his natural reaction of throwing up, which is what anyone would do in that situation, was hard and, and painful. 
Um, but I'm glad that I'm glad it ended the way it did. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun, honestly, because this is one of my favorite shows and no one ever talks about this show. And I was so happy when, because I want to say that the reason this show came about was I was messaging Jen and seeing how to get her on the show and mentioning shows. And then I asked her what some of her, and she, when you mentioned Bates Motel, I'm like, that's it. That's, I got to find a way to put this in the schedule because it wasn't on the schedule. And I'm like, I'm putting it in there. I mean, I know how much Tiff loves this show too. So, so just want to say that that was just, so thank you for bringing, mentioning that because I was like, yes. And then once again, I'm so glad that we both, that we all love Dylan because that would have been heartbreaking for me. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to close out and just have everybody say where they can be found and what you want to promote. So, Jen, if you want to let everybody know where they can find your podcast as well. Uh, you can find me. Uh, so the podcast, you can listen pretty much anywhere. Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible. Audible. Um, Twitter is at Streaming Bubble. Uh, Instagram is My Streaming Bubble. Facebook is My Streaming Bubble. So I don't post a whole heck of a lot, but I do post whenever new episodes are coming out and little kind of teasers of what they might be. Um, I am also a show-based uh, podcast. I go more season to season, but still just kind of that same level of, I love it. So <laughs> uh, that's where you can find me, follow me, listen, rate, blah, 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 all those things. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on. And thank Tiff. you so much. Well, you can find me on Twitter at who is Tiff is me. Uh, that is at who is Tiff is me. Normally I'm just complaining about something that I just watched. Uh <laughs> And, you know, I'm ready to, to defend vigorously my position on something. Right now I'm defending vigorously my position on the fact that I cannot stand Sam Wilson on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> that basically I don't like any of those characters on the show except for Sarah, AJ, and Cass. Uh, and the little bit of Isaiah that we did get because uh, he keeps it a buck. <laughs> but... <laughs> That's basically what I'm doing right now <laughs> because I dislike the actor that plays Sam Wilson immensely. So yeah, so that's where you can find me. I also write for the Game of Nerds uh, and that's the Game of Nerds across all platforms. They're always looking for writers. So if you like to write about shows, if you like to write about books, if you want to review games, uh, anything like that, just give them a shout. That's the Game of Nerds. Thank you so much. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at eAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, and we already recorded it, we, we are going to be taking a total 180 here <laughs> from what we just talked about. We are going to be talking about To All the Boys I've Loved Before. You know. <laughs> so, so totally different from what we've just been talking about. <laughs> from the drama to the rock <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Keep an eye out May 15th for our live trivia night. Also, another rem a reminder that on Friday... We are, Carla and Susie are joining me for a live stream Friday, May 8th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We're going to be talking about the show Friends. And even if you don't like the show Friends, you should join us. Plus, you're going to see Carla and I. This could be the end of our friendship. 
because Carla likes the character Ross, and I despise the character Ross. So <laughs> you can see the live, live end of a friendship, but <laughs> a friendship seven years in the making. Yeah, and then it just sinks this. Yeah. Yep, yep. Because of Ross. See how horrible Ross is. Um, <laughs> But no, that should be a lot of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Timmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Aaron Amos, and our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Aaron Marlowe, and remember, keep that fandom spirit alive. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.